Did that work? Yep, that works. So a couple seconds okay. and it'll, okay. There it is. All right. And so it's interesting when I added you, I could uh, get past the delay in the system, which is really weird. So now I know. So folks, okay, let's go, let's go back to this. We'll go back to the, here it is. Okay, so folks, and uh, I appreciate you there doing that for me. My whole goal here is to answer questions about the Arizona audit. Because for some reason, you know, we're, we're back to this mishmash again that, uh, you know, we're not, um, there was really not a detailed Arizona audit, uh, that everything wasn't released, that certain people did or did not do work or whatever the case may be. Now, you notice started last night, I started releasing uh, some pieces of videos where I did reports to the AGs or et cetera, to the lawmakers. You've seen some of those um, messages and stuff out of just thousands and thousands of messages. Later on today, you'll start seeing videos behind the scenes, like when I'm debriefing the attorney general in Arizona, their office, et cetera. So I want to give people a chance to ask their questions because, and I'll, and I'll start it off this way so everybody knows, my premise is very simple. Going into the Arizona audit, and I'm going to give you a little bit of the background because you have to understand this. Arizona was the first state that had moved quick enough and been far enough down the pipeline that not only could they get did they get their lawsuit in in time because you have limited amount of time to file it once the election's over but they immediately had standing and they had enough questionable issues that the judge granted it and that was uh, kelly ward's lawsuit when that happened it uh, coincided with the time that you saw me in georgia where i testified for the Senate there on election integrity. And so it all kind of came together at the same time. And I shared with you that, look, it's the paper that we need to look at because this was supposedly supposed to be almost all by mail-in ballot. So it's really a very simple process. And that's the only process that I uh, had come up with at that time about how we could look at it. And it was a very simple premise. Look, if they're saying anywhere in this country that 90% of the people voted by mail-in ballot, then those mail-in ballots have hard physical rules. And those physical rules are they're folded by a machine. And because that's a mechanical process, we can simply tell if they were folded or not. Now, why I'd even come up with that premise is because I'd already seen a few reports across the country coming out of Michigan, who immediately had the ability to do some recounts. And I started looking at the stacks of paper on television, and these stacks were perfect, absolutely perfect. And then I started watching people online, because I had already, by that time, I'd put out that, look, it should have a fold in it. Then I started watching people online when they were supposed to be doing these recounts 
we all learned that it had nothing to do with recounting the vote. You're supposed to count just a piece of paper. And I watched footage of people telling the recount judges, hey, you know, this is supposed to be a mail-in ballot, but it's not folded. And they kept on calling the judges over saying, this is supposed to be a mail-in ballot. It's not folded. And the judge promptly said, you're only paid and you're only here to count the piece of paper, period, to tell us that it is. And if you can't do that, I am going to kick you out. Then I realized as a nation, wow, we've got a big problem. And so at the time, most of my work was in highly detailed nano forensics in the medical world. And it just so happened we were teaching common mobile devices to be able to read and look at very sophisticated medical conditions to do quality um, medical forensics that was just as good as going to the doctor. And because that could be done, I said, you know what? I can take that baseline that we've been doing since 2015 and I can modify it and teach the system just to look for the fold because the bottom line is there should be a fold there. And that's what took off and went viral, et cetera. And so then it gets to the point that I get in Arizona they asked me to come in and Arizona said, okay, um, do you, uh, if, if you did this, what could you do? And I said, and I, and I came up with it. What we, all we have to do is we have to scan the ballot, meaning we have to get a high format digital image of the ballot and they asked me well how would you do that is that a some sort of special machine you've invented and i said no not at all there's no special machine involved at all all we have to do is take those ballots and run them through a uh high speed high speed scanner it happens to be a uh, we can either do an HP model or a Canon model at the time. And we just run it through. And what it does is it, it just allows us to name the ballot in an original sequence, sequence as it goes through when you're setting up the file. So we know where it came from. In other words, if you're pulling a batch, you can put in the batch name so you know which one it is. You run those 200 through and it holds that batch name. And then it names each of the file independently. And so, you know, there's never been some special machine to do it or special machine to create it. That's all misnomer crap. It was just run, scanning them through at high speed at a very uh, super, super high def. And people understood that. And I said, all we can do is just look for the fold. And it's very simple. In image processing, if all we're going to do 
is look to see if the fold is there. It's either, it's binary, it's yes or no, right? There's no in between, there's no anything. It's just yes or no. Then we can just take these ballots and run them through. And it's really a process that's super short. It's a, it's a few hours tops. And so that's why I was in Georgia. Now that went totally viral. What I think happened a few things, and when they realized that we could determine this and it didn't, and it wasn't some special super duper technology built machine and that it could be relatively a quick process, I think the system got terrified. And so a few things kind of happened is that's when the right, not the left, but the right went on the attack of me. And unfortunately, when you saw me in Georgia, I had already, unbeknownst to me, let into my close orbit people who were there just to disrupt and to just um, attempt to discredit me behind the scenes. It was very uh, concerning. Well, now at the same now, so what we have here is now at the same exact time, uh, Arizona's heating up. We know that there needs to be and is going to be an audit. They have their standing in Arizona, and you just need to understand, I started working with Arizona uh, just prior to Thanksgiving weekend in 2020. So we're talking immediately after the election. I had been popped into the Arizona process for their lawsuits, and then you saw me in Georgia. Well, the courts decided that everybody had standing and so we're going to get the we're going to get the ballots and off we go and it's a it's a process of doing um you know getting the agreements and everything it's a process of getting the agreements and everything uh, agreed to but Every, everybody's kind of rolling through it and they've got to kind of go through this bidding process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it was getting set up. So I find out in between that time, a few things happen. As Arizona is being negotiated with the lawmakers, okay, um, and and we're and we're working through it at that same time and so now we're into december you saw me in georgia right after that i got a phone call from mike lindell and mike lindell called my office and i was like oh wow mike lindell hey bud how's it going and whatever and mike asked me would you uh i'm going to do a documentary would you um join my documentary and, and, and share what you're finding and, and, and how you think you can find these. And I said, I'd be happy to. So, uh, Mike, uh, I happened to be coming from Montana. Uh, we're stopping in Texas. Mike was coming through Texas. Mike's 
plane pilot picked me up and I flew with uh, Mike and we got to where we were going to film and everything, which happened to be Memphis, Tennessee. And I walk in there to film and that's where I met uh, Dr. Shiva for the first time. He was there. I met uh, Patrick Kolbeck for the very first time. I met uh, Matt DePerno for the very first time because, you know, Matt, Matt was the leading rock star at the time because of his work in, in Antrium and everything. And so um, we're all there to kind of talk about uh, what we do. When it came my turn to be filmed, and by the way, I'm giving you this backstory because you have to understand how all of this panned out and how we got, you know, how we got to the point that ultimately got the Arizona audit. So when it gets to my time, if you remember my demonstration back then, I used to use little foam sheets about the size of a birthday card, and I would explain to people in colors this is a real ballot. This is a duplicated ballot. This is a bad ballot. This is this ballot. This is this ballot, etc. And I would explain that the goal is if you could look through the color spectrum and see the ballots, you would be able to tell what or where they came from. And so as I get up into the studio part, it's actually at somebody's house and it's like their third floor turned into a production studio, Brandon house. And as I <clears throat> sit down, I didn't watch anybody else's presentations or anything. There were tons of people coming up as I'm sitting there and I'm getting prepped or whatever. I noticed there was somebody on the phone the whole time a speaker phone there because i could hear them talking as i was getting ready and other people were being filmed i could hear them talking and that person on the phone was a lady by the name of mary fanning and what i understood when i asked who is this person and why are they on the phone? I was basically kind of told, well, she's the one putting it all together, the producer, et cetera. So, okay, you know, it's, you know, producers are on any, anything and et cetera, et cetera, no big deal. So I do my three pieces. There are three pieces of me. I used little foam pieces. I used little blocks to represent the boxes to explain that when the auditors choose their boxes and they make you think it's random, it's not really random because they know they already know what's in each box and they'll direct you to a bad box because it's the people who quote unquote do the audits or do the risk limiting audits. They already know what's there. So I, I explained all that as the day went on. And I guess we were there two days. As I'm meeting other people and I'm hearing their things, um, and I uh, went back home to Montana, I got to thinking about it and I said, you know, 
I'm the only one talking about the paper and the envelopes and the boxes. And so I picked up the phone and I called Mike and Brandon and I said, hey, look. Now that I know where you're headed and what you're doing. I and 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 it looks like I'm going to end up doing the audit in Arizona. I would uh, respectfully ask that you do not use me in your documentary. And I said, for two reasons. Number one, you're headed off into this direction with Mary Fanning and Dennis Montgomery. I'd never heard his name before that, but he was also on the phone. And I said, I can't support that because I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's real. I have my doubts. And so I don't want to be in the production where you're going to push one angle, but it has nothing to do with me. But I also don't want to be in the production because it'll be like I'm kind of endorsing it. And I said, besides, I'm only in the paper side. I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. And I don't want to be where they can say I was in this documentary and it, they try to use it to not let me do the Arizona audit. So I asked Mike and Brandon and I put it in writing and said, you cannot use me. You don't use me. Honor my request. Don't, don't use me in this production because it's not my bailiwick. It's not my topic. It's not while, where I'm headed. But I did agree to work with Mike and uh, help him come up with names and packaging because he wanted to call it the the great it was some really convoluted name the great cyber mystery of something of something of something it was just really a convoluted name and so i uh said to mike uh, this was like February 3rd or something of 2021, you know, 2021. I said, I'm, you, you need to, maybe you need to put a, some sort of printed thing with it. Uh, so people can download a book to go with it. Cause this is going to be hard for America to understand the PCAPs and what they are. And I said, the name's horrible. And I said, how about this? How about stolen? Uh, three, um, cause he, I knew he wanted to do mothers. How about stolen or how about my third choice was forbidden facts. My uh, next choice was called an American heist. My next choice was called censored and silence. My next choice was called an American crisis. Then proof. My top was absolute proof. It actually ended up eight on my list. An elite deception, not my president, uh, thick as thieves, etc. So I kind of gave all these names. And I said, uh, Mike texted me back and said, absolute proof, exclamation point. That was Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. And so even though I wasn't going to kind of be in it and anything, uh, the the one of the choices was called impossible, right? And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, I'll get my art guys because I got great art guys. 
I'll get my art guys on it and we'll kind of develop a concept. And I released that image. I, we, we sent Mike the poster concept Thursday, February 4th, 2021. And I said, here it is. And so I had already said, I don't want to be in it, but I was already helping Mike, you know, kind of package it up and, and said, you got to make it where America can understand this. And so uh, absolute proof. And that's where you saw a red bloody fist with a broken handcuff off of it, holding a wad of dollars. And then Mike ran, ran the, uh, uh, documentary. There were about 6 million views so far. Um, we talked on the 5th, February 5th, 2021. And, and he said, yeah, very busy trying to fix things because they were being attacked and, and no media is reaching out. And his quotes were, we're going to go try and air the long one. Everyone is live broadcast Monday. And so that was kind of the history there. But my worry was they would use that the movie people in Arizona that were detractors of the Arizona audit would say, look, Joe Bond's off doing this movie because they didn't want me to do it. Also, just as a point of reference, Matt DiPerno, and you got to remember, Matt's the one that was in the news at this time. The two big news trending about what we got to do about audit was Matt, Matt DiPerno and his Antrim findings and my say, hey, we got to look for the folds. Matt DiPerno as well asked to be removed from the documentary uh, because it would reflect poorly on his work and it didn't jive with his work. However, they did not honor Matt's request and they used him in the documentary anyway. Now, we're gonna flash forward just a bit. So we get to the point that, okay, we're going to do the Arizona audit they have decided they had to make three decisions. They had to approve everybody. The Senate had to approve who was going to do it. And the Senate had to approve the subcontractors. And so the way it works is the auditor, that's the one who has the top contract. Uh, they chose uh, Doug Logan and his company, Cyber Ninjas. I had talked several times to Doug Logan uh, about this technology stuff, and Doug will tell you, and Doug, and Doug told this if you watched us talking, Doug and I formed a friendship, but Doug said, I thought Jovan was conceited as shit. He said, but I realized you knew your stuff and your proposal of how we track all of this for a court of law to do it was absolutely dead on. And he said, that's what sold me. And so he got the, what's called the upper contract. And then Doug had to put in place um, three other people. The, and the three other people, one was Ben Cotton, which Ben was the one that would look at the data on the drives of the voting machines and stuff. Then there was a provider, and the provider means the person who would put the personnel on the floor, get the tables, get the chairs, get the equipment, uh, make sure there were restroom break, all, you know, all the stuff that kind of goes with that, handle everything, meaning the physical provider, I guess you would say that. And that was a company about of 
Pennsylvania called Wake Technologies. And then there was me and my team, which is uh, to do the digital forensics. And that means to look at the images acquired digitally. Now, Ben's work had been done before they did it in Antrium. Doug was involved in Antrium. And Wake uh, had, I guess, had been involved in a way in Antrium as well. My part of the process had never been done before in history. So we had to do a tremendous amount of work of how will we accomplish what needs to be done, but at the same time capture these images so that we can do the forensic work, but we've got to know where every single ballot came from. And by the way, folks, if you're listening and you find this interesting, would you please share this on your Twitter and ask other people to join? Because a lot of this I've never talked about before and gone into this detail. And that's my goal today for people to have a, a true accounting of what went on. So if you truly share this across Twitter, I would appreciate it anyway. And so we have to account for this stuff. And now we got, and we got some really interesting things we have to account for. Number one, it was pandemic time. Number two, the Senate in Arizona demanded a hand count. Now, what it was going to be in the beginning was it was going to be Ben sucks off the, all the digital stuff and Doug uh, runs through all the camera work stuff I need to do my part. And it would be relatively a very small footprint. And it would be done exceptionally fast because all we're doing is acquiring data. There was no recount involved. But the Senate demanded a recount. Now, that recount only accounted for you recount the president race and you recount the Senate race. Well, what happened is we're in the middle of COVID. And so you have to deal with all these wonky restrictions and the restrictions are as follows. Everybody had to be six feet apart. And according to Arizona law, if you do a recount, you have to have three people recount the same item and you have to have two special handlers what that means is only one person quote unquote sanctioned by the state and approved can take that ballot out of the box or ever touch a box of ballots remember they were behind locked fences and then you had to have a special handler that was the only one that could take the ballot out the batch out of the box and then take the ballot out of the batch and put it on that little uh, lazy Susan. Those were restrictions. And so we had to innovate a way to get all of that done. Now, my process, since we knew it was going to be filmed and, and I wanted to be able to tell who handled what, because it's not just about handling a, ba a ballot. I approach it as we're going to have rat bastards involved, which we did. We're going to have saboteurs involved, which there were. And 
we've got to know who touched what. And so when you see the various colors, which the media and naysayers made fun of and said, Jovan's Power Ranger team, here's the gist of why that was required. Now we're going to go back. Some of you watched me on Discovery Channel or watched me on the History Channel, Science Channel, you know, whatever the case may be in that geo with my professional exploration team as we ran around the globe. And as a commander of an ex exploration team and my teams are in pairs, one male, one female, and we're normally working in hostile environments and we may be, you know, half a mile or more from each other. I've got to keep track of my team in these hostile environments. And so one of the ways I want run my expeditions is everything is, is color coded. Everything doesn't matter what it is. Everything is color coded. Uh, because hang on one second. I'm just going to answer one little text. Never mind. Um, Everything's color coded because I've got to be able, I've got to be able when I'm looking through binoculars or we're using big cameras or we're using drones in the field because I have a whole drone air force and I'm monitoring my people in the field. My first visual cue is to be able to spot them in a rough terrain. And so when you see people going out and say they're explorers and they're fucking wearing camo, and stupid ass shit like that because they think that looks cool. No, it's a death sentence because if you fucking get hurt in a hostile environment, we're in fucking camo. The odds of you been found are not being that great. And since I do this professionally, it's absolutely the opposite. So my teams have super bright colors, but it also helps us in base camp because everybody has specialized equipment and all of from their tent to their gear, to their boxes, to their rucks, everything is in their color. So if, if somebody run in base camp, we get about 30 people in base camp. If somebody has to grab uh, Delta team's gear and it's for Joker, that's my one lead of Delta team, his stuff is orange. They know just go and go to the orange trailer, orange tents, orange stuff, pull it out. And so I designed this audit to be the same way. So we could track every single team as they handled the ballot so when we went back to video, if we had any problems, when we go back to video, all I had to do was look at the colors and we would immediately know who was on that team, what did they handle? Now, you probably noticed a few things. Uh, the tables and gear had the same color. They were in t-shirts that had the same color. And if you were to watch the footage closely, the paperwork that they're turning in and getting assigned was their exact color. Again, if you don't understand uh, deployment, logistics, and just like an expedition, which is not only massive, but can be dangerous, um, literally, you have to be able to look at these things very, very quick and somebody's sending me that my account on twitter seems something's wrong i don't know um my my accounts on twitter is being kind of hammered at the moment and 
not see it. Um, and I want to make sure I'm not talking to my, just myself. No, we can hear you and I'm checking okay. your account and I yeah. don't see anything wrong with it. Okay. So great. Thank you, dear. Uh -huh. Thank you, dear. Uh, so in handling something this massive, you got to be able to know where everything is at every point. So now let's just drill it down. If something goes wrong on the, on the floor and we had all kinds of people around the globe watching the cameras and I'm sitting at a war room master control, all they had to say was look at the pink table. Something's wrong. Then I at a master control already know who's on that team, who's there. And all their paperwork they're turning in is on pink sheets of paper. Remember, we're dealing with 2 million ballots. You're not going to take all of your fucking notes and all of the information there and going to try to put it on white paper too and try to figure out who the hell handled that batch. And so that's why you saw all the Power Ranger colors that people and pundits and journalists mocked calling it because they just don't understand what it takes to pull something off, like off this professionally. I have no concept. It also gave me a way to watch pat for patterns of interference. And here's what I mean. When you have green team and blue teams and red teams and pink teams, they're supposed to be in a certain area. And if you were to go back and look at the photos, you could do it now. If you were to go back and uh, look at the photos. Do you have the say, photos? You, know, you can send them to me and I can post them in the big bubble and the purple pill. Okay. Okay, dear. I'll, I'll find that and I'll send you some of the photos. Uh, let me open that. Anyway, when you, when you look at um, the photos, you're able uh, to... Um, see all of this color coordination going on. And so what I did was you're supposed to stay in your own area, right? So pink was at one end of the, we'll call it a Coliseum or whatever, and a blues way off at the, uh, at the other opposite side. What it did is it allowed me to... If something was going wrong on the floor, I could identify it. But more importantly, there should have been no reason for a pink person to be over in a uh, blue person's area, right? Stay in your area, do your job. We put supervisors in uh, orange Right. So we had different supervisory picks. So what it enabled me to do as a leader is quality control, right? Total, total, total quality control. And that's why everything was color coordinated. Now, the lazy Susan, Wake had to build all of those. Wake had to build the tables. They had to color black madam out. They had to trim them with blue. If you were to look at some of the photos, the lazy Susan was because when you're recounting ballots, another thing they throw at you is us mere humans can't touch the ballots. And so they try to throw obstacles at you, right? And one of the obstacles is, well, your people can't touch the ballots. It's got to be our people. 
And so that's why the lazy Susan concept had to be done. So their people uh, could touch the ballots and not offend anybody's delicate sensibilities and blah, shit, blah, shit, blah. Okay. So that's, uh, I want you to understand that's the mechanics of how all this stuff works. And that's uh, what we were dealing with. Now, now we'll jump forward. A lot that I've never talked about was, you know, behind the scenes, as we're trying to get this done, a few things had had already kind of taken place. Number one, I pissed off the politicians. How did I piss off the politicians? Well, two things were going on. We had this fellow uh, that was a, a big wig Republican politician that was kissing my ass to try to understand how I would do everything. But at the same time, he's behind the scenes, you know, stirring up shit, um, saying, we're, we're not going to do this and we can't do this. And this is blah, blah, blah. And that was the fellow by the name of Randy Pullen. And so there was that battle. The second battle that happened was just before we're supposed to get started, the powers that be, Sonny Borelli, and all those guys that were telling you, hey, look what a great hero I am. They decided to pull a trick and say, well, we're not going to look at all the ballots because it'll just take too long. So we're just going to we're just going to do a few of them. And so I reached out, which further made my relationship with Arizona contentious. And I said, that is not what you told or sold the people of Arizona. You guaranteed them that they would look at every single ballot. And I was basically told, shut the fuck up. You have no say. Who are you to tell me what to do? I'm a lawmaker kind of thing. I also had the lawmakers say, how dare you get people to call in? They were just totally pissed off. How dare you get people to call me? Anyway, and so what I told the lawmakers, I said, look, you either do every single ballot because they, they told you they were. They pacified the public. They pacified all of the public. They were going to look at every ballot. And then when it came down to the end, it was a fucking lie. And so I told them, you either look at every ballot or I'm not going to do my part of it. Which they happily said, okay. I said, but wait, I'm not finished. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the public that they got conned. And even though you said you were going to do every ballot, your plan is not to do every ballot. And they actually called my bluff and said, go ahead. But I wasn't bluffing. So if you remember, go back in time. I went back to you, the people. And I said, Arizona screwing with you. They have no plans to do them all. You need to reach out to Arizona and you need to fix this because they're going to, they're going to try to play like they did something, but they didn't do it. And 60,000 of you not only called, you wrote, you emailed and everything else. And of course that pissed everybody off. Now that's when I made mortal enemies, mortal enemies of every one of the lawmakers there for two reasons. I didn't kiss their ass and, uh, I let the people 
know the truth. And so you screamed like you should have, and you got them to back off. And it was from that moment on, from that moment on, all they did was sabotage me nonstop. Okay. So we get into the audit here and everything is, is getting started, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Doug called me and he said, Jovan, uh, the lawmakers are pissed at you, uh, because they consider you uncontrollable and they say you talk too much and all of this other stuff. He says, I'm worried that if you show up here, there'll be a riot. He says, because Antifa is going to be after you. Black Lives Matter is going to be after you. The lawmakers hate you. He says, if you set foot here, there's going to be a riot. Put a pin in that for a moment. That's what they told Liz Smith. Liz Harris, I mean. That's what they told Liz Harris when... She was going to bring me in for her hearing. She told them that or they told her he's going to cause a riot. And that got her to back off anyway. Hey, Javon, can I so, jump in and say something real quick on that point you just made? Oh, my gosh. Sure. Go. OK. So when I was speaking with Karen Fan, Josh and I, we were with her and she said, listen, the other legislators are pissed at Jovan because they feel like they can't keep him quiet. So when that attorney put out that stupid or, or some gentleman put out something stupid from an attorney, I heard from Karen Fan herself that Sonny Borelli and some of those guys were pissed at you. And that's when we really jumped on her super hard. Like, hey, it doesn't matter what you want. Or, or these guys want as politicians, the, the government of Arizona belongs to the people. We will have Joe Vaughn, period. And it's funny, you're saying the same thing. She told us the same thing you're saying now. Right. Well, so Doug told me they used the same line. Now, I have the benefit of hindsight now, but they used the same line that it's going to cause a riot. The lawmakers are afraid. They're afraid that people will start fighting and people will get hurt. Jovan, would you mind not being on the floor in Arizona? And I said the following. I said, if that's what it takes to prove to Arizona lawmakers I'm a team player, and if that's what it takes to calm it down, then I will gladly not be in Arizona because I can watch it remotely anyway. And Doug said, thank you. Now, I now know they did that so they could claim I was never involved. It was a, it was a con from the very beginning. Anyway, so we start the audit. Now, a few things happened in between right before the audit started. Number one, the ballots come from the county all of those ballots were stored in a secure area i posted a few photos so you can kind of see what they look like in boxes um we were haggling with arizona 
of when could the ballots be taken possession of? Well, they kept on drawing it out, kept on drawing it out, kept on drawing it out, having excuses not to do it. Then, strangely enough, one random day, all of us get a phone call, and it's, you know, Bill Gates or whoever the guy's there in Maricopa and says, okay, come pick up the ballots. We have them all in a truck ready for you. And I'm going, what the fuck? See, number one, they were never supposed to move those ballots ever without auditors there and the police and the sheriffs. It was supposed to be observed the whole time. But we got this random call that they had already moved them and stuck them in a truck. So now we're in the midst of a fucking crisis. I called Doug and I said, Doug, if you take that truck, if you go pick up that truck, we're fucked. Here's why. Nobody observed those boxes being moved. Nobody documented it. Nobody handled it. And they were not supposed to touch it. And I said, I'm telling you right now, I already know all of those boxes are in disarray. All of those boxes are not sealed. I'm telling you right now, they're setting us up. And they're setting things up that where they can say, uh, well, Doug got them. They were sealed when we turned them over. Thank God Doug listened to me. And he held his guns and he made them put those son of a bitches back in security where they're supposed to be. And then the proper procedure of how it should have been in the beginning with police escorts and, and documentation and stuff. Um, the boxes were then loaded to transfer for us for the audit. Interesting footnote. See, they had to take them because they kept on saying, no, you got to pick them up. We already got them out. And we have kind of this stalemate when, when, when we said these, these, uh, have to go back in, we were worried about the trailer being stolen right? Because that's one way to get rid of the ballots. And I told Doug, we're in a far better position letting that fucking trailer disappear because we should have nothing to do with it. They're going to blame it on us. And so if they want to take that risk, it's going to reflect on them. So luckily they didn't take that risk. Now, remember all this time you have naysayers, Patrick Colbeck, all kinds of people spreading the rumor that I almost got the audit ended. That Jovan tried to end the audit. Fuck no, I'm fighting for the people. Anyway, they put them back. Then we go pick them up. And exactly as I told uh, Doug, all of the boxes were disarrayed and open. They would have blamed all of that on us. There would have been no way to pin it on them because they would have said, look, when we sent them, they were sealed. So we get these ballots and then they get into... Uh, the arena and have to be held well and and that's that particular battle and there's other ones i won't deviate into that you should know about but we'll do that on a different one i'll try to want to try to get to the audit itself the next thing is okay well now they're there and now they're on the floor and they have to be handled a right way well they're secured and they're done 
we have all kinds of people, all the equipment that's needed for my forensic work, which was uh, really only Canon cameras and a special stand, you know, where it, sh it shot down. And then kind of like it's called the chuck where you slide the ballot in and it makes sure it lands on the right spot. And then you take in the four photos I need and that big overhead photo and all, all of that had to be designed and built. That was Wake Technologies that designed and built all that for the lines. That was their job in it. Uh, and coordinating with all the workers on the field. I tried to get, I reached out to get uh, forensic paper examiners from across the country uh, because at every table I wanted a licensed forensic paper examiner to uh, document everything. That was part of my procedure. Um, I had several of them lined up to do it as we're getting started. And then they called me and said, the National Forensics Association said they will revoke our credentials and membership if we participate in this audit. And so all of those guys got extorted. An additional design of the audit on my side was it was to be equal Democrats, equal Republicans, equal independents at all tables because the, the tables were about you know 21 people in, in rotation. And so it was designed in thirds. We had Democrats, we got Republicans, we got independents. At that time, the Democratic Party told anybody, if you are a Democrat and you work on this and you volunteer, we will run your ass out of town. We will destroy you. And so even the Democrats that were willing to help, they were forbidden to be there. Now, what I now know is that's how the Democrats were able with the media to say, oh, this was a partisan effort. It wasn't a, uh, was a partisan effort. It wasn't a bipartisan effort. Only the Republicans did it. You see how that rig works? They basically conned the world uh, through the uh, media. They conned the world through the media that it's just a partisan effort. It's only the Republicans. See, they didn't include Democrats. It was all a lie. That was all for fucking theatrics. Then, um, as we're going through that, trying to get the things done, the way the audit was designed was, as every single batch is done, it's come through the line, then it was designed as... For in my process, it was designed to everybody right then on that table signs an affidavit and they basically say either everything went great, everything was perfect, or they said, look, the paper felt wrong or it wasn't folded or whatever. And here's what I found. And I had one of the positions to be a reporter and an affidavit person. And that way, as every single batch, there's 10,435 batches, as every single batch is done, you have somebody that comes around, they record everybody in recording. Then they, they get it all done. And while the second batch is being done, that person with the group of stenographers transcribes everybody's comments. It's, it's really quick. They turn it into an affidavit and then they go back and have everybody sign right then and there. Now, the reason I designed it that way is because you got a thousand people working on the floor, right? And so it would be a thousand legal affidavits times 
10,435 batches because I wanted it by batch. That paper didn't feel right because I knew what we were going to find. The paper didn't feel right or I kept on seeing this little bullshit over or whatever. Well, unbeknownst to me, Wake cut that part out. They just didn't even bother to do it. Now, why this is important is because when you understand what happens there, I knew there would be people that were in the audit that would volunteer, and there were, that were there to disrupt, okay? That would say, well, it was horrible and it was bad, okay? And it wasn't really run right. Well, I designed it in that affidavit process to catch it as it occurs because I knew where they would attack us. I knew what the press would say. I knew they would find people that I was there and it was just crap and it was wrong because they're always going to plant bad people. By them not following that process, which I designed, we missed having 10,435,000 certified affidavits for every step of the way. We would have had 10,435,000 affidavits. And any person that stuck their head up as a rat bastard or any person that said it wasn't wrong, we'd have their fucking affidavits where they didn't bring it up. Secondly, when people were saying the paper didn't feel right, I would have an affidavit of them in unison saying it directly for that fucking batch. And I knew I was going to find it because we're going to do the paper. I could match their real-time affidavits, meaning human haptic touch, with my forensic touch. It's the ultimate slam dunk in forensics and work. I got a witness with uh, expert testimony. I got a person who was there, and I've got this. Well, conveniently, they cut all that out and didn't do it. So now we get started on this audit. The ballots arrived late. Uh, weeks later, then it, it would start. We had pe we had people there, and the clock's burning, and people are being paid, and people are volunteering, all this stuff. It's just burning dollars, and that's what they try to do. Then the next thing we had to deal with was, uh, and and these won't be in exact order. A person came through the audit and set red pens out. Now, you have to understand a red pen is not allowed around ballots in an audit at all. It's just a, it's a no-no. The systems can't pick them up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those red pens were intentionally planted. And when a person on the floor picked up one of those pens, which should have never happened, it would not have happened if I was there, I would have caught it. When a person picked that up, all of a sudden, the news had the story there was an illegal red pen on the floor. They were changing ballots. Right? Because, see, remember, if it was uh, done at the vote level and they were marking on it, they would mark on red pen. And so they were able to manufacture that story that there was a red pen on the floor and they must be changing ballots. That was all a setup. The next thing we have to deal with is there were people that wanted passes as observers, quote unquote media, because they're, remember, this is a historic process. This is the first time in the, in the history of any country in the world that a presidential election is being looked at this way. Even the hanging Chad scenario 
of 2000 was was not this big it was a fraction compared to this although it was a kinematic inspection remember kinematic is did the movement change it and of course those were hanging chads in that movement and it's the kinematic touch of that punch that did it and so that's why they were lying where kinematics where'd that come from well it was the fucking albert uh, gore versus bush but anyway and so what happened is there were supposed reporters now these reporters were given credentials and allowed in by Ken Bennett and Randy Pullen. The reporters were not reporters. The reporters were some of the very people that in in, uh, Katie Hobbs's suit with Carrie Lake back and forth, it was some of her expert witnesses. They lied and said they were reporters and they got those guys in to be able to observe my process because they were trying to figure out how to punch holes in it. Okay. We had already fought that. Well, Jovan's stuff is not peer reviewed. You got to have it peer reviewed. we had already fought that. Number one, nothing in this process is peer reviewable and you don't peer review what I have as a patent. In fact, it's sitting right here on my desk. I have a patent for all of this, right? You don't peer review that. And there are no peers to what I do because it's never been done before in history. And so they use that as a smoke mirror, but their terms were, well, we got to peer review it. Now here's what it means. You send them your software, your prize technology that detects this. And they have their experts look at it to try to decide if it works or not. Well, they're never going to say it works, but it's also, it's more devious than that. They want the software because they want to figure out how to work around it the next time. So I told the guys, fuck you, right? Anyway, and that's part of the con when you hear certain people out there, Clements and Altman and other people, they're repeating that absolute con. Well, the stuff wasn't peer reviewed. It, it, it's an extortive try to get a hold of our proprietary technology, which, which is very funny because you can't get a hold of the voting company software because it's proprietary. And so that's how you can really tell a lot of the agents of disruption. So we, we get through all that shit. Then next, there is a fucking circus, a carnival going to be held on the parking lot. Okay. And this parking lot, uh, has not been used for this festival for years. They they stopped doing the festival. But all of a sudden, very quickly, it wasn't even going to happen. Boom, this festival is going to happen again. And it's going to be on this fucking parking lot. Well, now we know we got a problem. At that time, the planes are, you know, the, the Department of Justice surveillance planes are, are uh, flying around the center because they're getting everybody's cell phones number. They're trying to see who everybody is the whole bit. Department of Justice is doing that shit. Uh, the DNC had flown in and, and hired a thousand attorneys to come in and fight every bit of this the way. And now we got this fucking carnival out there. So we had to do two more things. We had to get fencing for the arena so it could be fenced all the way around so we could protect ourselves from random strangers out there under the guise of the carnival. And then we had to get security, full-time fucking armed people nonstop because there were death threats and just all kinds of nasty stuff. So that delayed the process. Then as it's being done, um, 
we got another delay and another delay. Well, they've got to use this for some graduation. So we had to stand down. I think it might've been two weeks or a week. We had to stand down and start all over again. And so that's, that's that part on the floor. But now let me tell you the underbelly in my process, which you, you will hear with me when I release to you my interviews with the attorney general's office in Arizona, and you heard it in other stuff, my process is designed to absolutely um, be able to tell you where is that ballot, who touched it, and how. Now, in order to do that, I uh, we have to have that right naming process done. In other words, remember, we're not only looking at the front of a ballot forensically and the back of the ballot. We're looking at uh, the presidential oval and super high def. We're looking at the calibration and super high def. And we are looking at the paper quality and super high def. And we're looking at the color to make sure it's an original ballot. Well, when you take those close-up photos, that is one more individual photo in forensics that uh we could go to the judge and say here's the ballot but let me show you the oval we can we can blow these things up to the size of a billboard that's what's required in forensics well as you watch the cameras coming through those uh forensics are designed where one person can sit there you've got four images that pop up on the screen but the images are in super high def, but we've got to be able to have it named right. That means it has to absolutely contain the information. Here is the box, batch, pallet, table, time, team, everything. I got to know everything. What pallet was it on? What box was it in? What batch number was it in? What number was it in the process? Who was the team? What table it was assigned to? All of that is buried in what's called the naming culture. I created a brand new naming culture uh, to uh, be able to track every one of these because it had never been done before. So that was a very tight term of this audit, an ex extremely tight turn of this audit. So the audit's underway, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we start getting our very first images of the ballots in June. Now, see, you think the audit started right at the end of April. My team only starts getting images, the drives. We only start getting those drives in June. We put them into the system to run, and we kept on getting all of these fucking errors just all over the place. And so we got to shut everything down, and I am taking a look at everything, and lo and behold, here's what was wrong. Now, the person on the floor totally responsible for that, making sure it was done making sure it was handled, making sure it was to my spec, making sure it was to the right uh, uh, naming culture and everything was a lady by the name of Heather Honey. 
She was hired by Wake and brought in. She is my point contact from the very beginning to make sure my standards done. And so if you can imagine a four-part picture, it has to be shot a specific way at a specific quality and named correctly. We run these throughs, we're getting errors. So I go back and I have to start looking through hundreds of thousands of images. And we discovered a few things. Number one, if you can imagine a, a window pane with four panes in it, look on your desktop or whatever in front of you, top left should have been an oval. Top right should have been the paper. Bottom left should have been the color bar. Bottom right should have been the calibration. You train your systems to look for that. Everything's trained to look for that. What we found is on the floor intentional, intentionally, they would take the top left oval and they put it in the bottom right. They take the calibration, they put it to the left. Every few ballots, the sequence changed. Well, all of a sudden your computer can't see it because it's looking for those crosshairs and it's a fucking blank piece of paper or it's a filled in oval. Second thing that was done is these four pictures, which are supposed to be at super high depth merged. What they did is when it was on the screen and they could see all four, all they did was use uh, the shortcut for take a picture of the screen. So instead of having four individual images that each could be the size of a billboard, which is what you need for forensics, I got an image <laughs> that was 640 by 480. That's VHS quality. Total fucking trash that you can't do anything with forensically. Last but not least, they intentionally did not use the naming system at all. And that way we cannot, we cannot get it back to forensics to see what ballot this came from. I mean, it's total fucking wasted junk, total shit junk. So I call Doug and I say, Doug, we got a problem. You are being sabotaged from the inside. We've got massive problems on the floor. They are making sure that we cannot see what's really going on. And they're making sure we cannot connect ovals and folds and all this stuff back to the ballots. And I said, this is intentional, absolutely intentional. And so Doug starts watching it. Now, what you saw during that process, you saw an announcement that Wake Technologies decided not to renew their contract with the audit. What Doug said he had to do, Doug had to eliminate Wake Technologies. He had to get rid of them. They're, they're the team, the coordinator stuff, and none of this on the floor is being done right. But unbeknownst to me, for some reason, Heather Honey was able to stay. So we're getting through all of this stuff. And I'm finally, now it's July and we're only beginning to get true images at true fucking high def. So we can really start to begin our work. And so the, it's already been protracted out at that same time. Um, we were having leaks, media leaks on the floor. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out where these leaks were coming from. And it got uh, pinpointed to Ken Bennett, 
that he was the leak. And so that was when you saw Ken Bennett have to, he was removed from the audit. And of course he started screaming. Now let's go backwards. Ken Bennett was never hired to be part of this audit ever. Ken Bennett is an old lawmaker in Arizona. And when he was, now think about this folks, when he was secretary of state, he did happen to do an audit. You got to remember Maricopa is the fourth largest county in the United States of America, the second largest voting group of people. When you audit that, it's like auditing a country. Well, he did He did a consequential audit years ago. And so he begged, borrowed, and pleaded with Karen Fan. Karen, I'm the only person in Arizona that has ever done an audit. I'm, the, I'm this, I'm that. I was Secretary of State. You've got to include me. So what, he, what, ha what she did is she kind of made him the spokesperson. Okay? Well, when we started getting infiltrators uh, from the left in and bad media and saboteurs and all this stuff, those leaks got tracked to Ken Bennett. And so that's why you saw Ken Bennett was asked to leave the audit. And of course, that created a nightmare. And what did Ken Bennett do? He immediately appeared, I think, either on MSNBC or CNN, bat bashing the audit. Well, there was a compromise made. The compromise was, okay, this guy, this new guy will come in and he'll be the spokesperson. That person was Randy Pullen. Now, Randy Pullen was the very guy working behind the scenes to not get the audit. He's talking to me to find out how I'm going to do it. Kissing my ass. Then he's politicking everybody. Don't let Jovan do it. Don't let Jovan do it. Don't let Jovan do it. He's the disruptor. Well, all of a sudden he pops up as, well, you know, I'm a lead guy. He handles a lot of the uh, packs in Arizona. He's a big time Republican money handler. So he now comes in and he's going to be the spokesperson. So now he's parachuted in. Well, he allows Ken to come back on the floor. If Ken will be nice. And now Randy Pullen's there. Now, just so you know, I'm going to jump forward. When Doug was in money trouble over the audit and needed money, Randy Pullen came to him and says, the GOP will give you $2 million to help pay some of these budgets if you will not use Jovan's work. He offered Doug $2 million if you will not use Jovan's work. That was their only condition. Of course, Doug told them to hit the pavement. So we go through all of this and we're, we're trying to get it done. And we're, Try, we're trying to get all these drives in. This is a massive amount of data, petabytes of data. And so where you see the audit um, wrap, people think the entire time my team's working, which is not the case. Because everything had to be run. And I'm talking everything had to be redone. Everything. And at the very end, as we're spotting true counterfeit ballots, a couple of things happened. I'm working on it. Liz Harris is getting on the phone. Liz and I are talking. Liz working on the floor. I'd already told them, here's what the counterfeits look like. Here's how they're being done. Liz and them brought in a paper expert 
to 100% confirm what I was finding. They brought that expert in and that expert confirmed it. Randy Pullen then starts hammering Doug. We got to get these ballots out of here. We got to get these ballots out of here. They got to go. He didn't want Doug to go back through and pull certain ones that I was pretty sure counterfeit saying, Doug, I want some additional information. He was refusing to allow Doug to do that. Refusing to allow Doug to do that. Now, remember, all of this technology and these photo formats are mine. At that time, behind the scenes, a lawyer by the name of Stephanie Lampert parachuted in a guy by the name of Spakeen, a true paper auditor. Spakeen was able to look at some of the quads that were acquired for us, something we already knew. And Spakeen's going, these are copied, we'll call them mimeograph. These are Xerox ballots. And so Spakeen was looking at that, but Spakeen was not hired by the audit. He was hired by Stephanie Lampert. So we're, we're getting all this done. Now, during this time, Ken Bennett and Randy Pullen are going to do one last quote-unquote paper count. Now, what that means is they run the paper only through a high-speed counter, and it counts the ballots. There was one team to do it. It was moved off to a separate site because Randy wanted to move the ballots. We got to move these ballots. And Randy forced the moving of the ballots. At that off-site building, um, it was being supervised by good people, and they're writing down the numbers. Now, remember, I'm still running ballots at this time. As they're writing down the numbers, they realize, wait a minute, we got 100,000-plus ballots missing. What happened here? Now, there were two logbooks, two logbooks logging this stuff out. Those logbooks were in that room where the ballots were being scanned and they were going to come back the second day and do more. And overnight, for some reason, Randy Pullen, as I'm told by the people working there doing it, he came in and he took the second logbook. He just took it from the site. Now, without the second logbook, you can't confirm between the two books how many ballots there are. That second logbook has never officially turned back up, although I heard rumor that Karen Fan has it in a safe somewhere. But you can't confirm how many numbers were there. Now, now we're into July, okay? And if you remember at that time, there was a big rally in, in Arizona Jovan, you still there? Hey, Jovan, we lost your sound. Yeah, your yeah as soon as I told you that, I was dropped off. Anyway, it just booted me. So I'm back. Okay, you got me, guys? Yeah, we okay. can hear you yes, now. Yes, sir. So that's hey, Jovan, and, and just so you know, Liz Harris is here. Great. Hey, Liz. 
And so we're scrambling to find these ballots. Randy Pullen and, by the way, Brian Blim are involved in this trying to get these ballots out of there. We know we have a problem with ballots missing. It's July. We're into July. They're, uh, Patrick uh, Burns, General Flynn and stuff, they're doing this big speaking rally in Arizona. And we start, we suspect something's wrong when they hear that. So we did a big data crunch on all these images and we found out we're missing over 100,000 ballots. They're just not really there. And so I let everybody know that. Now, by that time, the Senate had seized all of Doug's equipment. He was then at that time using, and I don't know if I remember the name, StarTac or something like that, right? He had to use another company to do this. They're storing these stuff in a secure site. We realized, guys, we don't have all the ballots. See, that's another way to make the numbers off. Well, you didn't do them all. Did you have them all? Well, now we know we got ballots missing. I had to send in a forensic team that set on the ground seven days. It took seven days to transfer the information. And we had to transfer it two ways. We're using big, massive servers in cloud. We're also transferring them manually. Okay, because we knew there was a problem because Doug was attempting to transfer them to us and Doug was using AWS, which is, of course, Google. As he's getting them uploaded and they're, and they're there, Google deleted them all. Just gone. And so I send in a team. We're totally unannounced in town. We are we are rapidly retrieving this information because the Senate wants to get rid of this machine. And Doug's standing strong while well, I still got work. Well, why he was standing strong is because we're, we're trying to get the information there to confirm these things. And so my team spent seven contiguous 24-hour day shifts running this stuff out, get out. That's how much data this is, folks. And finally got the hell out of there before the Senate was able to seize that machine, which means the stuff wouldn't be ever, ever seen again. And so we began going through the process. Now we're giving Doug partial reports the entire time. Here's what we're finding. Here's where it is. We got counterfeit ballots. This is a problem. This is a problem. We don't have the right papers, but we're not able to give a final, final count because we don't have the final, final images, and we're still working with images. And so it creates a technicality. And the technicality was you can't say it's all done. Therefore, you hadn't done the work. You understand how they bullshit with the words? And that's when you started hearing that Jovan didn't do a report. Jovan didn't have a report. Jovan didn't complete a report. Well, see, I never talked about it. And the reason I never talked about it is, one, it's not my nature. That's number one. Number two, it's a forensic investigation. Certain things shouldn't be let out. And there was no fucking way I was going to talk about what was going on until we got to the end because you got to let them hang themselves. Well, that's when the story started coming out, which you hear today from Altman and Clements. Well, he didn't do a report. He didn't turn in a report. He didn't have a report. It was all a con job. 
all a con job based on a stupid little fucking technicality, which they knew they created. They created by shifting things around, moving it out. So we're diligently working on all our shit, getting it done. We uh, made um, uh, Doug's presenting the first information. Again, Doug says, I'll present your work. The senators don't want you there because you're too controversial. Well, I'm trying to play a nice guy. Okay. Well, I realized that was a setup too, because if they didn't let me on the floor and then they didn't have me come testify, then they could say, I never did it all a con job from the beginning. So Doug is presenting my information. And that's when you find out these ballots are wonky. Uh, they're done wrong. They're printed wrong. All the shit that even Carrie went into. And I'm notifying these people the whole time and we're doing our work and we're waiting through it. And then we get to the final, final report. And that report should have waited till everything was done. But Randy Pullen is pushing Doug, the attorney for the GOP in Maricopa is pushing Doug. Well, you got to do a report and we don't care. We just want to report now. They were doing that so they wouldn't have everything. So they could exclude a lot of the findings we were finding in their final form. And so they forced Doug to release a report and they said many things. If you include Joe Bond stuff, we're going to, we're not going to, uh, let your protection stay up, which they took the protection away from Doug. Anyway, uh, Randy had offered $2 million. Don't use Joe Bond stuff and we'll help you pay some of the cost of this audit. It was all a fucking racket from the beginning. Even Sonny Borelli, who was a fucking coward, right? He did get a download from me, but it was somebody who put him on a call. He's in the room listening, but that's so he could say, I've never met Joe never talked to him ever. And that's the kind of shit that went on nonstop. But at every turn, every complication that happened was something they planned so they could just spin it just enough. Jovan didn't do didn't finish the report. He didn't do it. He didn't do anything. It was all a fucking con job. And, you know, Wendy went out on the road, 30 some odd states, raising money. We're going to do a full forensic audit in every state. Blah, fucking blah, fucking blah, fucking blah. Um, I'm constantly battling with Heather Honey. You fucking fucked this up. Somehow Doug left her in. I get word while we're still doing work. She met with top lawmakers. She sat in a room and said, uh, this stuff Jovan's saying about counterfeit ballots is wrong. And the right paper was used. They didn't use any wrong paper, which was a fucking lie. But at the same exact time, the people I got rid of that, uh, that it had attached to me early on that I realized these guys are rat bastards, they ran around to all these other states saying, we'll do an audit, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. They never did a full audit. They only did partial audits. Who was their person? Heather Honey. Who was the key person? In the 2022 carry stuff of what can be presented, Heather Honey, the whole time saying none of Jovan's work with real. You're going to see uh, an AG video, which I'm going to release because I'm very patient. But you're going to see an AG video where we talk about, because one of their investigators was assigned to me over this bribe, which people tell you didn't happen. You're going to hear that on one of these calls.
And then you're also going to hear, Jovan, what the hell is wrong with this Heather fucking honey? She's telling us, don't look at any of your shit. You're going to hear that discussion from the AG's office as well, as I release these. And so here we are to this day. It is a total clues, misdirection. People are being paid. You hear them all the time. Jovan didn't do a report. He didn't submit a, submit a report. His stuff's not in the official reports. Well, a lot of that stuff that's in the official reports is my stuff, right? You just don't see my name there, but that's the work my team did, which we can confirm. They're telling you, well, he didn't have an agreement. He didn't do it. He was just a volunteer. All of that is horseshit. All of it's total horseshit. And so now as it's come to this point, it is no good in some of these things to fight it then for two reasons. We're, we can't tell the bad guys what all we're really finding because they'll just start discrediting it on their own. I would rather let them run around spreading bullshit and half-truths, although it's a harder fight. But as you see with me, as they spit out their bullshit, like he didn't name absolute proof. He didn't even talk to Mike. He wasn't any of that. When they, when they, when they finally deal that thing to attack me, you see, I can immediately come back with the receipts. Here it is. And that's the only way you can fight this. You cannot fight certain things as they do it, because what you have to do is you have to let them do it. You have to let them amplify it. You have to let them talk their shit. You have to let them pull people off and bend their minds. And then you release it at the appropriate time because that's the only way you can strike back and you can show the world these were lying fucking idiots. And that's the process we're in now. And it's, you know, it's quite a shame. Here we are three years later. It's quite a shame that it has taken this long to get people to pay attention. You know, and I, I think it's very funny. You heard one of these people say, well, Joe Biden didn't meet with President Trump. That's a fake photo. He didn't meet with President Trump. Well, you know, we have to play a different game when you're in the know. And what that person, which he said that, you see that photo, they're all saying it's bullshit. That was at a rally. I And you heard that person say, Joe Oldman, I, I heard that Joe Biden didn't meet with Trump. He didn't do that. That's all a con. Well, I had to let him do that. To keeping it totally quiet, right? That's why I didn't announce it in advance. That's why I didn't talk about it out there. Then you find out I met, then you find out it's not at a rally and it's not a five minute meeting. It's a, it's a 96 minute minute, meet it, meet minute meeting specifically for me, right. To, to educate president Trump on this. And then they, they do all their stuff. That's just a rally photo. That's just that. The reason you see the photo, the way it is, which I showed, we did that by design because uh, let them shoot their wad with all that shit. Oh, it's fake. He didn't do it. I, I talked to people in the inside. I know it. They said that's fake. Joe Biden didn't meet with President Trump. I'm an expert. I'm a tech CEO. They tell me I know stuff. I had to let them rock that route. I kept very quiet about it until you saw a week ago uh, me do an interview with Victor Davis Hansen, who has ultimate credibility, right? It was Victor David Hansen, who was the observer in the room to hear all of my stuff, to understand it for other parties, while it's all of Donald Trump's staff and uh, Devin Nunes. And I'm doing this debrief for his staff. President Trump treated me like gold. 
said, stay around. Oh my God, this is big vitamin dinner, the whole bit. I intentionally held those out because I knew that's how people would attack. And then of course you saw me and, and Victor on TV. And we talked about being at the president and Victor being the observer in the room that was listening to my presentation and commenting with president Trump on here. This is why this is important, et cetera, et cetera. You have to let these people walk their bullshit walk. Cause it's all a con job, but it's all set up to keep people from listening. That's how it is. That's how it works. That's what it is. It's sad folks. Even this stuff going on right now that they're trying to amplify, they get in and they turn people bad. They piss people off, but it is all a nonstop setup on so many levels. And it's also part of the con that they want you to believe it's just the machines that do it. And I, I want to speak about that real quick and then I'm going to wrap, but here, here's the deal. When you allow America to focus only on the machines, the blame is put only on the voting systems companies, which are outside providers. When you do that, people can say oh, it was a boo-boo. It was an accident. No big deal. By having people focus only on the machines, when it's really people, paper, and programs, what the system's doing to you is having you not focus on where it really happens. And that means the people running the elections, the people printing the ballots, the people putting in nefarious registrations, the people turning off the signature verification, which you're finding right now in Georgia, they didn't do it all. See, the machine is political cover for what's called racketeering. That is why when they played this con with the machines, which you cannot prove, you will never be able to prove it. That's why I don't fucking deal with the machines. You can't prove it. It's people, paper, and programs. But that's why you saw all this con go, those companies sue, right? Based on your damaging their reputation, win, and Fox pay a $785 million settlement. Why? Because it's real simple, maybe or maybe not, this hurts the voting company, but at least they got another 785 millions out of it. Who cares? Everybody will forget this. It's a media thing. It provides cover to not focus on the 200 ways it's really done. So none of that gets fixed. It is also why I'm telling you right now, they inserted a person to parachute in to tell you they heard Coomer saying, I'm going to do it. I've got it fixed. Why? That ties it specifically to the machines. And that's why they get everybody to talk about the machines. We're going to turn them into pissing bars because it gives political cover to where this and how this really happens, which is federal racketeering. And if you want to do some questions now, I'll do it. Stay on topic. If your topic is the Arizona freaking audit, stay on topic. If you're a disruptor, if you want to change the subject and talk about my glass fucking teeth, you know, fucking grow up. People are here to learn. So with that, if you got questions, let's go. So right now, Jovan, I don't see any requests, but um, that was a lot for everybody to digest, I think. <laughs> um hearing all of that that's going on and what's actually still going on in Georgia is pretty scary and you brought up a really good point in regards to the machines because who can hold the machines liable 
You can't. You know, that's what I'm saying. You, right, you cannot exactly. hold the machines liable. But look at the look at the breaking news out of Georgia that they didn't do signature verification at all. That you can hold liable. Why? It's people, paper, and programs. We have been under a con game for so long, it's sickening, but we're three fucking years down the road, and that's the game they play. Absolutely. Okay, we have um, Army, uh, Army of One. Yes, hello. Thank you so much for your uh, knowledge and expertise and sharing it with all of us, also with David. I just wondered, have you heard of that Votify website? And, you know, what's your recommendation? Because here in Michigan, you know, they kind of make it, um, I'm not whining, but it's just fact that, it, you know, they don't make it real easy um, to be a part of the um, election here. And, you know, I'm real concerned about Michigan. I mean, we've been, you know, we've been strongholded um, for, 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 you know, eight, 12 years. But anyway... What's your recommendation okay. for the average person, you know, what they can do? And do you sure. recommend that website that a lot of people are talking about and these different things that are cropping up for us? Okay. So let, let's use some, let's, thank you. Let, and great question. Let's use some, some absolute critical thinking. Okay. And this is where we lack linear thinking. I know Votify. I've talked to the people at Votify and they know my issue with them. Okay. Let me ask you just some simple questions. If there was an app that truly fought election corruption, do you think that Google and iTunes would allow it on their sites? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. The next question is, if there was a website you could submit information to that made a difference, do you think Google or AWS or any of the guys would let that website go? Absolutely not. I, they, yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the next thing. The GOP also did this. Hey, we're going to, if you did a, if you got an affidavit and you see something, do this, fill in the blank, bing, bing, bing. Here's what they know. That is not an affidavit. It cannot be used in court. And when you looked at all of that Votify stuff that was sent to the court, the court said, this is spam. This is junk. Now, why did the court say that? The court didn't say it because they're bad guys. The court said it because it's truth, because it holds no legal bearing. It's not truly an affidavit. It cannot be used as a witness statement, and it stops nothing. Therefore, it's a bunch of spam. Go back to what I said at the beginning of how it should have been done on the floor, and you get the right uh, absolute jurat at that time, and you do it in that format. That's the only thing that sticks. And so they know. They absolutely know they'll let you do that all day long because it'll fucking please you. That's why the left comes out the most safest election.com. Do it here and we'll help. That's why they let that stuff go because it will not move the needle. It has never moved the needle. It will not fucking move the needle in the future. And it's all bullshit. And this is where we go to this stuff like we're going to uh, uh, fly in these drones and tell you all the phones in the room and this stuff. Well, if you really had the secret weapon that was going to kick their ass, why would you do a telethon on it? 
which is just stupid. The second part, just what I said was, all they're going to do is now, because you said that out in the open and used it as a publicity stunt, they're going to fucking write laws that that can't be done. And what did they do? They wrote laws that you can't do that. They turned it into a crime, something that should have been used the right way. But everybody's out for fucking clicks and pricks and all this bullshit instead of fighting the real fight. So the guys from Votify know this. I don't endorse Votify. I don't amplify Votify. He's he's hardworking. His heart is in the right place. I am not saying in any way he's a bad guy or anything. He's trying to do what he thinks he can do. But remember, we're in two different fields. He's somebody that's trying to do something which has merit. He's trying to get people to uh, do things that at least get it uh, known or whatever. But the bottom line is it won't move the needle. I've had this discussion with him. Um, I'm only talking about it now because you asked, otherwise I won't talk about it. There's no need for me to impugn it. I'm only looking at it as a technologist and people that know affidavits and know this stuff. know you can't be submitting it on a website and think right. And think that it's going to move the needle in a court of law. Cause it's not now it may make you feel good. That's great. It may make you feel like, uh, you're making a difference. Okay but it's just not true. Thank you. That was my intuitious feeling, but um, it's nice to get confirmation. But Well, here's you what you should do. If you see something nefarious on the ground, you have one procedure, which is the only legal procedure there is, you immediately write it out. You can look up a true affidavit online. You immediately write it out with all your information and you write all the details, not a fill in the blank fucking form. It cannot be that way. You have to state specifically, here's what I saw. And this was, you know, this, because it, it has to impugn you. It has to hurt you, right? As a voter, you immediately get that written out. You go down to your bank and you get it certified, notarized at the bank. Here's why. That jurat with that certification, a notary is a direct extension of the court. Now, what it means is you took your testimony, you got it certified, and this person who is an agent of the court says, this is real. I've verified this person. Therefore, it's identical as if this person testified in a court of law. See, the system knows that. That's why they want you to submit it that way. They don't want you to go the real way you have to go. But if you go to that extent and you go to your bank and you get that affidavit done, you have now presented a document which will stand up in court, which the court itself through the notary has already acknowledged this is acceptable in court. Makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Jovan. So we have uh, Clint, then MAGA, and then Declare. Okay. Thanks, Jovan, for filling in the blanks. You have a, a gift to keep all that information in your brain. So we all appreciate you using it for good. Thank so you, thank sir. You. Thank you, sir. But by the way, by the way, it's in my brain. It's in my drives. It's in our documents. I can produce documents, emails, and everything, every sort of the way. But go ahead. I don't doubt any of that, but it's amazing how you can recap it and put it into words for everybody to understand on X space. So thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, so, yes, 
So there are obvious uh, people in the movement that have been planted to sabotage and subvert the truth. And you've clearly laid that out. And I apologize. And I apologize. I'm so happy that you're doing this. It, it had to happen at this point and you nailed it. That if you would have came out two years ago and explained all of this, nobody would have believed you 100%. So what would you recommend at this point now that we know who it is and what they're doing how do we take and kind of take you know these folks have been all over the country they've gotten thousands or millions of followers they're following dead ends on purpose how do we how do we break through this and and tell people well the most important and thank you the most important thing is you got to understand we are the solution. Look, I didn't get the Arizona audit, guys. You got the Arizona audit. I am no fucking hero. I'm a guy that does technology. I know it well. I love my country. But as I've told everybody from the beginning and what the Senate hated is I don't fucking work for you, the Senate. I work for the American people. And I'm always going to be transparent. But what you have to learn in this, this is you are the key. Now, the influencers out there, the people that have just no saying like Behezi or whatever, or the other agitators that want to convince you they're a tech CEO and I've got glass teeth and, and uh, you know, all this shit. Um, that is all because what they do is you gotta, you gotta take this as a pattern. Let me give you an example. Are you, are you really believing? Let me just get this straight. Now I want you to use your common sense here. Joe Altman ran a fundraiser for David Clements, which Joe claims that Clements is only his buddy now. But why did Joe Altman run a fundraiser for Clements way back when? Now, Clements, right, was a never Trumper who failed in politics, who basically told you he got fired from a university because he wouldn't take the clot shot. The truth of the matter is he didn't get fired. He was suspended with pay. You got told the story that he got fired. And no, he resigned, but somehow Joel Altman out of nowhere does a crowdfunder for this liberal professor who basically said, told everybody Trump was a con job, blah, 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 way back when. And magically the people responded and gave this guy $326,000 out of nowhere. I want you to think about that number. Because you've seen crowdfunding go for things that are really rock solid. Fucking you're, you're, it's hard pressed to break 10 grand, much less 326 grand. You've also found out that the way the system moves money is through this thing called smurfing. You know, they, they, they use these fake accounts to make it look like it's the crowd doing it. I'm telling you that 300,000, $326,000 that was given Clements cannot be audited and cannot be verified as to be real individual users. And so all of a sudden he pops up out of nowhere. 
Now, you got Joe doing that. The Joe came to fame with, I was on a call with Eric Coomer, and I got this, and I heard this. And all of us heard those recordings that went around. Rudy Giuliani did it, played it in front of the president, asked everybody to listen. But now that's kind of disappeared. Now he said, well, I never said I recorded it, which there's all these kind of tapes saying he did. Now we find out it's one page of notes, and the court threw it out everywhere, threw it out everywhere. And said it was bogus and bullshit. Even his own attorney said, well, maybe it really didn't happen, but that doesn't matter. Here's the facts. And then he's telling you where, where he got the facts is he hacked Coomer's Facebook account. You just got to understand this. But what that did is that placed that person in with all the good lawsuits. Now, you have a choice as an American. The bottom line is you can go back and verify my background or history or whatever till I was 50 and they'll make up all kinds of shit about me. One of the newest ones is I was committed to a, or went to even a lunatic asylum, or I can't even buy or own a gun. Every time you challenge them, it just goes away. The bottom line is, see, it's your mind that's under attack, but you have to make a decision. If somebody comes on, I mean, think about this, a kid that worked at Taco Bell because you like him and he's, he was cool on YouTube and is now a political pundit a young kid, be easy. You're actually, just because you like him, taking his word is absolute truth. I don't get that. But see, that's how politicians are elected. That's how the system is moved. You got to get all these people that people like, and they just listen passively. If you want to fight this fight, you have to decide to fight this fight. And that basically means you audit everything that you're believing, right? Period. You audit this. You know, they want to tell you that uh, Jovan tried to sell QCAT and failed. No, they, they won't tell you the truth. I created the patents, the platform, and the software. QCAT was a free giveaway device. How do you fucking fail giving something away for free? But see, that's how they twist it. But the software lives on your phone to this day. It's why you can scan those codes. They have an interest in dissension, not truth. And so if you look at it there, if you look at how it happens, if you look at the people like Liz Harrison stuff that truly, truly expose this stuff, the system eats your fucking lunch. And the way the system eats your lunch is they get supposedly your own kind conservatives to fucking eat you alive. And that's the con. So what do you do? How do you fight it? You fight it by amplification. Don't embellish. Don't don't tell people to stick a sharp stick up their ass. Uh, don't threaten people. I'll knock out your glass teeth. Don't be fucking immature about it. Facts are facts are facts are facts. Pick out a fact that resonate with you. Basically, use your tweet and quote tweet. Put in your fact. Tag the people, not the people like you. Tag the lawmakers. Tag the real influencers. Don't tag your buddies. They're going to see it anyway. And you work on getting facts out. And I've told everybody in my world, and I say it all the time, you don't have to like me. It is just not a requirement, right? I don't judge my life by how many friends I have or am I nice. I don't go to dinner parties. I don't go partying or whatever. I'm very, very simple. But I do judge my life Am I willing to fight this and give my life for this country? Now, is it embarrassing to have people see some of the shit that's written about me? Yes, it's embarrassing. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's very, very 
very easy to spread rumors. It's very easy to call names, but it's exceptionally hard to bring the documents and bring the hard proof. And so what I do is I try to bring the documents and the hard proof, but I'm giving those documents and hard proof to you because you're the most important person in the room. You've got to understand how the system does it. And you have to understand how it works because that's the only way you can find it. And once you understand it, then you become something to be feared by the system. I'll take the heat. I'll take the crap, the lawsuits, all the shit they try to do. I consider that part of my job of what I have to do. But the only people that are going to move this needle are people like you. Now, I released on my training. I do training uh, for people who really want to know about elections because, you know, you don't get, you don't get uh, training from being a poll watcher on how to really uh, do this stuff. But I do a training called fireaxe.academy. It's not .com, it's .academy. And in there, if you want to be trained on this stuff, I do very detailed training. I released yesterday me working with the state. I learned to never mention the states I work with anymore. And here's why. When people would ask me, well, what state you're working with? And I mentioned this state. The next day, if not within an hour, the bow ties are hitting that state, calling me a fraud. And you shouldn't listen to this guy. And they get the state not to pay attention. So I no longer even mention the states. And I released yesterday, without mentioning the state, I released to you a real live recording of the type of consulting I do with the states. Because a lot of this election integrity stuff, we can clean up at the contract level with the states, right? At the contract level of the states. And that's what I, that's all that I'm focused on. I am just focusing on how do we move the needle and how do we get results for the people? And, and I really, right? I really, really really am so sorry that one unfortunate business deal timing didn't agree and went a little bit sideways, but you should be able to see that the same common bullshit agitators now got a hold of it and are now amplifying it. So pretty soon, uh, I don't know, it was a, I was in an insane asylum a while back. Maybe I'm going to be put pissing on Russian hookers next. Well, wait a minute. I may have really done that one, but you know what I mean? They'll try to take Shots at me. You follow what I'm saying? It's a con. <laughs> it's all the it's all the distraction game. Like they they you know, I asked Dave when Dave was holding this space and when people were questioning you, and I said, Okay, well, my question is, did anybody ever come in and present any evidence that any of the things that you're saying are lying? Like, let's forget about any of the other stuff you want to bring up. Can we just focus on what you are presenting and not one, not one could produce anything. And they refuse to, they refuse. Well, the, so, the six, the six people who participated in that online orgy fest, I've invited them all on with me. I've learned something new. Here's what they're now saying. We won't go on with Jovan in person live because that's a setup because he'll get people to attack us and to get it off track. And so it's not really good to do it live. 
we want real answers and that should be done person to person. It's just like you heard uh, Clements say that uh, I threatened to dox his family on a 45 minute call. And then he says, and Jovan clipped a piece out of me cussing because I lost my thing, but he was threatening me and he was threatening my family. You saw me, you saw me ping Clements and say, I'll be glad to play that 45 minute phone call live. Let the public decide of what was really said. Did I threaten you? Did I try to dox your family? And let's talk about it. Crickets. They won't do it. And it's because that's not what they're here to do. Now, you should ask certain questions. Why do you have somebody and the people that really do the work, like uh, Liz Harris or Bobby Pythons or some of the real people that really did the work, or the people, the great heroes in Arizona that really touched the ballots, that really saw this firsthand, that really saw uh, batches of ballots where every one of them was Biden or there was only a Biden vote? See, they don't invite people like us that have truth on. So why do they keep on inviting the same people that parachuted in? that came out of nowhere, Dr. Frank, right? All these people, why do they keep parachuting them in? And how do they keep on crisscrossing the country? How do they get to all these cities? Who pay, is paying all the travel and flights? That's expensive stuff. You've got to be able to understand what's being done to you. And that's how they do it. They go in, they drop people in, they all play roles. You have the really calms and you have the really pissed offs and they see where that amplification takes up because they, they want to, uh, to uh, get as many people. So they have a player in each kind of category that's attractive to people and they'll do a lot of praying. They'll do a lot of Jesus, this Jesus, that, cause that resonates. And then it's those people that all of a sudden start popping up in every city doing this they never tell you they're on a payroll paid to do it they'll never tell you this is how they're getting around and doing it but see that's that's the game that's how it is and unfortunately we're so far in this game and it's such a hard fight that the system is scared is totally totally scared because they cannot afford they cannot afford you knowing the truth. They cannot afford you knowing the truth. They cannot afford you getting activated, but that's what their job is. Now, what do these people do? They call names. They'll make up things. They're now trying to include my son saying they're going to threaten my or sue my son. And all. who does that except agitators? And so if you'll get out there and you'll just share facts, don't call anybody names. Don't buy into their rhetoric. Don't say, I'm going to punch somebody because they have glass teeth or I'm going to stick a sharp stick up your ass. Fight it with truth and facts. And you'll see they always run away from truth and facts. Absolutely. I know personally a lot about that. And I'm going to tell you something what puts that target on your back, Jovan. When you got that patent granted, my husband has multiple patents and that's put us on all kinds of poop list. Let's just say that. So yeah. um, that that's that's the ringleader. We can get into that on another one. I want to get to MAGA and declare. My heart's broken, though. Oh, my no, heart's broken. My heart's broken because no. I clicked I clicked on your profile and saw you in a bathing suit. And now you're telling me you're married. <laughs> oh, my God. You have ruined my day. 
I'm, I'm happily married with lots of kids. <laughs> how many kids? How many kids you got, dear? We got four. <laughs> oh, fantastic! That's awesome. Aren't kids the greatest? Aren't kids the greatest? They. I'm tell you what, real, real quick. Kids are yeah. what we're here for. Kids are what we're here for. And I'll tell you the truth how I look at it. You know, we're told all our life that uh, we're supposed to have unconditional love from our mates. And we we find the person, and I'm, and I'm super glad for you. We find, of course, you know, I'm kidding. You, we find the person, you know, we marry or whatever. But the, the reality is there's our there are conditions. They see our bumps, our warts, our whatever, but we work our way through it. Where we get unconditional love in our life is our precious children. Because when they come out, you know, you can have a freaking mohawk, one arm, one leg, and mid 10,000 pounds, and that baby loves you. And that's God giving you unconditional love in your life. But then there's the thing called free will in life. As those kids become aware, and you have to keep on working on them to raise good kids and to make sure they stay pure people, you've got to walk that walk. Because at some point, the kids really see what's true. But kids are such a blessing. And it's it's so amazing. I tell people, and I, I, I really mean this, I wish I could have had 100 kids because I'd do it because kids are how we can correct all of the horrible things in our life or what we did to make sure we raise great warriors. So congratulations to you and your husband on four kids. No, amen. I, I feel the same exact way. You know, I think that it's really important that we continue to have children. The children are the future. And there is a, a, a specific quote that it's exactly what you just said, that um, children are brought here to correct all of their parents' mistakes. That's and. Right. And, and, and I truly, truly believe that. And that's the reason why I'm even on Twitter and, and trying to assist in any way I can for anyone who is speaking any truth, because I'm doing all of this fighting so they don't have to fight as hard. Not to say you better believe it. Have a fight because they will. But, you know, we can at least pave the way to at least try to make things fair. You well, know, the, let's truth, start the, truth, fair. the truth is we're responsible. And here's why. Just as the Bible says, it's the sins of the fathers revisited. We have to correct this stuff. We're we're correcting sins that our parents never dealt with or they turned a blind eye to. Some fought great, some predominantly didn't. I'm talking as a society of the holding. So we're living the sins of the fathers, and we all have to get together, not be hyphenated and divided, or, or we're not going to get through it. Absolutely. Amen. Um, go ahead, MAGA. Oh, thank you. Um, great stuff, Javon. Um, and thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to clarify something, though. You, you mentioned uh, Votify, but but there's two different apps, and I want to make this distinction. There's votifynow.org. You can download it on Google and Apple stores, and it gives real-time uh, you know, data collection as far as if you see something, you can report it. And then there's another which is Votify, not Votify now. So when you said you spoke to him or he, did you spoke? Did you speak to the founder of VotifyNow.org? Uh, look or Votify because there's. I just want no. Just hear me out. Let me finish and then up. up you, wait, let me finish. Like, I, let me hold finish. On, up hold top on, there hold is on. data. Okay. Hold well, okay. Thanks. Mute? Interrupt me. Thanks. Okay. I'm trying to put him on mute to say what I was saying is let me look up. I will tell you which one I met with. I don't know why I got belligerent. So No, it's not belligerent. It's just so, I have data up top no, in the no, nest that I want you to look me. at. 
If you want to be here, don't talk over me. You got something to say? Don't fucking talk over me. I do not. I do not accept that shit. Now, I'm trying to tell you very fucking plainly. I'm going to look in my fucking computer and I'm going to answer what you said first before you fucking go on a tirade. Okay. So let me look in my goddamn computer. I'll give you an answer. I don't have to go on a tirade. It's up in your nest. The actual okay. app that, that I'm talking about and the, and Abe's stating that that app helped his case. End of story. Thank you, sir. You can, you can go on a tirade if you want. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we got, we got another, he asked me a question. Who did I meet with? Votify or Votify now? That was his question. All, All right. I'm trying to do is answer that question. What was his agenda? Here is his agenda. His agenda was to try to correct me and say, no, no, it's this, and you can have it, whatever. I didn't go on a tirade. You're not going to, nobody in this world is going to talk over me. That's a bully tactic. There was nothing to talk over me. All I was trying to do was, oh, you, you, you presented a good question. Who's Votify? Who's Votify now? I'll look it up. But I think that person kind of answered their own agenda and their own agenda was just to try to be able to get that endorsement or whatever in there on my program and tell me I was wrong because Abe Hamada used it or endorsed it. Well, you know what? We can put Abe Hamada aside because Abe Hamada basically actually believes that Jen Wright, who worked with uh, Bernovich can actually represent him on election integrity. And that's part of this bullshit rig too, but okay, go ahead. Who's next. It's all good. We're going <clears> to <throat> encounter that. That's what it is. Um, okay. So now we're to declare, go ahead. Yeah. I noticed on this Twitter space, there are people uh, that were, I guess, big in the election integrity movement. They're pushing for more mail-in ballots. And from my perspective, I think that could be a, a huge mistake because it just gives the cheaters more time to cheat. So I wanted to hear Javon's thoughts on this push for using more mail-in ballots to overcome all this uh, problems. Thank you, sir. Good question. When President Trump came out and said, bank your ballot, I immediately notified him, sir, bank your ballot is basically a cover word for, oh, we got to have mail-in ballots. You got to understand what they're doing. And I did a program because you should be able to audit me on what I said. Banking your ballots, folks, which the GOP put out, here's what it means. Go vote in advance. Uh, and to vote in advance, folks, you have to understand two things have to occur. You have to extend early voting, which is part of the rig, and you have to have mail-in ballots. And so all they did was rebranded a different way. Now, we told people uh, in Arizona, vote on election day and get there because th that's what makes it hard for them to win. They got to they got to keep on extending the time. Don't do it in advance. And then they got Scott Pressler. I love to death. I, I dialogued quite a bit with Scott over time. I even recommended Scott to be, uh, believe it or not, way back when President Trump's personal assistant and help him. That's how much I adore Scott. Uh, but the people that were kind of in charge were not even going to get that to President Trump because Scott was gay, which shouldn't matter. But they amplified Scott now to say, bank your ballot. Here's it. Don't do it Election Day. That's part of the rig. They ran out of paper. I even told you they were going to try the paper con way in advance. Any time, any time we vote in advance, 
we are supplying the enemy with pre-information to respond to. They know the troop movements, et cetera. So I'll answer it this way. Sitting in front of President Trump, not even three feet away from him from his personal desk, having this discussion, he asked me, how did I win 2016? And I said, sir, they already had it rigged for uh, Hillary and stuff. And I said, so when Hillary says you stole it, she's saying you stole it from her steal. I said, but folks, I said, but sir, you motivated people to get off their ass and go vote. So you reactivated people who weren't active and they never could account for that. They thought they could just rely on the trends of years forward. And I said, sir, that's why you won 2016. You reactivated people who didn't give a shit anymore, and they went and showed their confidence for you. I said, but if you look at how the system responded to it, look, we got the pandemic, we got all this mail-in ballot dropping, that's the only way they could do it. You need to understand when you vote by mail and you vote early, not only are you telling them what you're doing, but you also have to understand, do you know that you cannot confirm that that is your actual ballot? Here's why. When our ballots come in, say we vote in a thing called secret balloting. And that basically means your name can't be identified with the actual ballot you cast. And so when you vote by mail and it comes in, and they do the signature check on the envelope. As soon as that envelope is open and it's split, one goes, uh, the ballot goes one direction, never to see your name again. Now, what that means is, see, what they did is they said, okay, you're in the system. As soon as they check the signature, they know they got something back from you. You got to understand this statistically. The moment they check the signature, they absolutely know you voted. And so in that process, now there's, you know, 30 days before it comes in, they can do anything they want because now they have the sonar ping of what precinct did it. And if they want to swap that ballot, they can. You never know any different because you can't go back and see your ballot. And so they can do anything they want with it in that meantime. And I'm telling you, they exactly do it. The closest you come to pure authenticity is on election day, where as it leaves your hands, it comes in. Now, there is a hook, and I'm going to give you what this hook is. And again, the system did not fucking talk about this in Arizona. 160,000, 160,000 election day votes in 2020 for the uh, 2020 general election. I can look at all of the preceding 1.8 million and change ballots. And I see I can use that to get a baseline standard of what the telemetry, meaning date and timestamp should look like. However, when you get to those election day ballots alone, a unique thing happens is, remember when Maricopa said, well, uh, you know, we knew we knew files were missing. We knew files were corrupted. They handed files over and we couldn't see the ballots. Well, that's when Shiva said, well, they did it to me on pur purpose. They couldn't see saying it was us. As the fight goes on and you see the Senate 
hearings and these guys are going to have to deal with subpoena or go to court. They finally admit it. Gates and little Richie Rich Ricker, uh, Richter, whatever his name is, said, oh, you didn't ask us for the archived ballots. Well, we archived those. Well, we finally got that archive later into the audit over a month. Well, maybe two months over a month and a half into the audit. We finally got it. Now, what was unique about that drive? Well, it contained all the election day votes. It was not in the same format as 1.8 million plus ballots. It wasn't in the same sequence that they're supposed to be in. It didn't have even the same hallmarks of the same software, right? It didn't follow any of the rules of how it's supposed to be dropped into the election management system. And every fucking one of them had the date timestamp removed, physically removed. That's why they needed that time. So when they knew they had to turn them over by law, we do get them, but all the stuff where I can audit it is missing. Now, when you go back and look at the telemetry of those ballots, which the lawmakers in Arizona didn't tell you this, you find out that when they called the election for 2,089,000 and change, uh, on November 20th at the uh, supervisor's level, they still had over a quarter of a million ballots. They hadn't even run in the system yet. So how can they give you that number? And see, that's why they say they need extra days. And then you look even deeper and you get to where Ducey and Hobbs certified it, right? And they certified a number of 2 million, uh, 89,517 or 416, whatever the hell it was. But when you really look at the data, you find out for some reason they ran in 130 some odd thousand ballots December 8th and 9th. That's the day that it's that the electors are supposed to really call it. How do you run in votes a fucking month after the election? And it, it every one of them are these ones with no date and timestamp that cut off. That's the danger of, see, they need physical time. And so what they do is they work on all of these procedures to do it, which is racketeering. And then what they do is they tell you, oh, we can't count them all. Well, let's, let's audit. Let's audit their statement. We can't count them all. It's too many. Well, it's easy to audit. We look at the day they could start scanning ballots up to election day. And at that time, they were running 10 tally machines. And they were processing on average about 140,000 ballots a day. So, so you see, I have a baseline. I can audit what they're saying. That's what they were doing. When you go election day forward, they had one group that was about 130,000. But all of the other groups for those next 10 days, they barely average 5,000 ballots. Now you got to first ask yourself a question. How could you do 140,000 ballots a day before say you need more time you're behind, but over 10 days, you really only counted 5,000, 6,000. Let's just call it 10,000 a day. And then you look even deeper because see, I look at everything. I don't make a fucking decision. The machines tell me, and you look at the machines that ran those and they were run on two out of the 10 machines. So you see how it disconnects? You can't say we were overwhelmed and we don't have the, the 
uh, equipment and manpower to do it. But then when you look at their statement and you audit that statement, you find out you were doing 140,000 a day before it with all 10 machines. You get to those extra days and you're now only really averaging 5,000. You're only running two machines. And by the way, in there, you had three days, you fucking ran nothing. So you can only look for the second right answer. And what's the second right answer? They're fucking around underneath with that time to try to make the books match. But nobody in the Senate told you that, showed that, or allowed it to be presented. Am I alive? Am I here? I think everyone's just in shock <laughs> of all the information. <laughs> We're I just got to make health. sure. No, it's amazing. I could be, be sitting here talking to my cell phone and be talking by myself. I've done it before. No, thank you for answering that. I, I've always thought that mail-in ballots just helps them cheat, and that's what I'm worried about. So we have to get rid of mail-in ballots. We have to get. We have to get. We have to do a few things. Here's the bottom line: we're not going to be able to get rid of all the machines in a timely manner because there are laws that require them. But remember, even if you get rid of the gun, they still have the fucking ammo to to expend on you. And so we've got to get rid of mail-in ballots. We got to go back to extreme circumstances. You're in the fucking hospital, right? The second thing we have to do is we've got to get rid of these vote centers where they push all these precincts together because that's how they muck the waters. We got to go back to individual precincts. I think those precincts should never be over 2,000 people. And it you you cast it in the precinct, you count it in the precinct, you tally it in the precinct. And that's how we can keep all of this thing in small, tight circles, which is manageable. And you have to have it done just like it was done for Donald Trump when they called his race in 16 at 3.33 in the morning. All of these things were put in place as a con. All right, so we got my big brother Dave here. Dave, did you want to say something? Dave, are you there? I see somebody's hands up, but I can't see who it is. Somebody put their hand up. RJL. You know what? It's Political Brew. I don't think he can raise his hand. Go ahead, Political Brew. Hello, Joe. Jovan. I don't know, man. You're a Ferrari and I'm a horse and buggy, but... uh, I'm here in Texas, and you're telling us to get activated. And I've been trying to get people to go to our commissioner's court for our county. They are the ones that made the decisions to get away from in precinct, well, you know, get away from paper, hand-marked paper, hand-counted paper ballots, and go to the machines with the George Bush Help America Vote Act. And, you know, I speak to them like three times a month. I had one other person come up and she played a Michelle Swinnick recording that I just <laughs> forwarded to her. And that was very effective. So what I would like, if you can't come to my commissioner's court, could you make a three minute statement with your best argument and all your expertise that I could have on my phone and go to my commissioner's court at nine thirty Tuesday morning and, <laughs> and have other people play it or me play it on why we must have in precinct election day, handmarked 10 candidate paper ballots. I became a okay. precinct chair specifically for this. And now I've, I've, I've gotten more than 10 other precinct chairs who are rabidly Christian 
you know, that'll follow my lead. And I think, you know, I, I just don't know why nobody's going the county route with making testimony to commissioner's court. And they are the ones that make the decision on how we count. Well, number one, you're a hundred percent right. Number two, when you say Tuesday, are you meaning day after tomorrow? It's every Tuesday at nine thirty. Well, <laughs> so you, 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 my my email is my name. You can email me at Gmail. Put in the reference yep. line, Texas. I was on Spaces. I'll dialogue with you offline to get oh, something cool. to you, to get with you something on Tuesday. I don't know, right? <laughs> um, no. But but you're right. Texas is being taken over because they're they're implementing the worst possibility there is. When you go and you use a BMD, a ballot marking device, you, you, you check in, you walk to a machine, it shows you the ballot digitally, and you touch the ovals. Well, the first thing you have to understand is there's no paper to audit. That's number one. Number two, you have to understand you must take the machine's word for it that it faithfully uh, reproduced it. Number three, when you understand that the machine that supposedly digital has the ballot and you insert the oval, it also means that machine has the ability to insert an oval, which is basically an oxymoron. It means they can put an oval anywhere they want. And what it prints for you is not a ballot. It's a ballot receipt that only represents to you what you think you voted for. But because that Q code on it, which is it's it's literally my patents that make those things readable in large databases. They say this is a representation of your vote, but it actually isn't. It All it is is a directive to a private database you can't access. And by the way, your county cannot access. They can't use that code to access it because it goes to the voting company and the voting company controls every bit of that. It means instead of the voting company providing a service, it basically means the voting company uh, also collects the data and you have to take their word for it because they're not going to give you access to the database that you can confirm. That's it. It's not the, it's not right. It's not the way it happens. Yes, I will help you fight that fight, but there is nothing to audit. When you vote on a ballot marking device and you go electronic, you have completely forfeited your right to a bona fide audit that that is your ballot, how you voted it and exactly the way you want it. And you are forced to take their word for it. Yeah. Well, that's why I became a precinct chair because I can rally my precinct neighbors. My precinct has three churches. You know, I can walk it uh, in 30 minutes, you know, from one side to the other. And uh, so we have to go with paper. Uh, one last thing. Well, part of the reason I'm in on this, uh, there's a Dr. Laura Presley, and she was running for the Austin City Council about 10 years ago. And she's the first person, to my knowledge, that uh, that figured out that proportional voting where if she got one vote, her opponent got 1.1. Do you know? And she won a Texas Supreme court case over that very thing, but she's been real quiet, uh, you know, ever since, cause she spent all of her own money, you know, pushing that Supreme court thing. I would love it if you could get her back in the game. Um, 
Dr. Laura Presley. She's got nine patents. She's a chemist. Uh, I was there just before she uh, got there uh, in chemistry at UT. And uh, she's just one of the smartest people I know, uh, other than you and Dave and, and Darren, of course. <laughs> there, are so many, there, are, there are so many good there are so many good people fighting this fight all over the world. Some of them choose to be out in social media. Some of them don't. Um, I just want to let you know that uh, there are a lot of people that should be amplified. Probably the best I could do for her is have her reach me and then let me talk to her because I really haven't understand it and I can help amplify her and get her message out. That's how I can contribute. Yeah, she's a regional with the JBS, but she's down in Austin and I'm up here and uh I don't. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 I spent all of my childhood and a, a big portion of my teen years in Texas. I consider Texas home state, oh, wow. so I'll be glad to help any way I can. My phone's dead. <laughs> okay, is that um? Does that sum it up for you, political group? Yeah, you want to go ahead and take the next question? Sorry, my phone just goes nuts when I get on these calls, so I'm hanging up. It's okay. Thanks, political. Okay, Thank so the next person is going to be Handmade. Um, yes, can you hear me? Okay. Hi. Thank you so much, Javon, for all the um, the work and training that you put out. I am in Georgia, um, and I work with voter GA Garland Favorito. You might know him. I okay. do. Um, and I also work with a few poll watch trainers in Georgia. And I was listening to what you said about the affidavit, the proper affidavit that we need to do. Say we're a poll watcher and we see something that we need to write out a detailed, um, you know, our own detailed analysis of what happened and then get the license. Yes. I guess get a licensed notary. If a bank is not open on. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the difference between the court just considering it a opinion or commentary or the court continuing it, uh, considering it a bona fide piece of court allowed evidence. Okay. So my question is, though, if let's say we, we have weekend voting here in Georgia, so we might be observing something on a weekend when the banks aren't open. If as long as we have a licensed notary, would that be sufficient? Or do we literally have to go to a bank? No, no, no. You don't have to go to the bank. I just tell people to go to the bank because if you have a, an account, it's free. You don't really have to pay okay. for it. That's why I say that. If you have licensed notaries there and you should have multiples, don't don't ever get in the crossroads to use one. Here's why. If it ever comes under attack, they'll try to attack that one person. So get multiple okay. people and you can. And yes, that's that's just as perfect. Absolutely. But it is that uh, court surrogate, which is exactly what they are, which makes it legal in court and already accepted by the court. Perfect. Perfect. And if I'm, if I may, can I ask one more question? I, I know your time is valuable. No, okay, please. Um, I really, really we're in Georgia and you probably know our situation. We have BMDs pretty much mandated for every precinct. So. Right. It's a bad. Yes, problem. We're, we're really in bad shape. So although I hate the absentee ballot, the mail in ballot, all that type of stuff, I really, really hate that. But being that we only have the BMD option for voting, we have tried a different route, and I'm wondering your opinion on it. 
we pick up the we pick up the absentee ballot ourselves, not go through the mail, but we pick it up ourselves from the elections office. We fill it out and then we return it ourselves on election day. Is that a viable option, in your opinion, please? Yes, yes, as long yes, as long as it's required in person, as long as you're requiring an ID and you delivered it in person, you have a far better chance of it being right and tallied correctly, 100%. Secondly, I want to let you know, BM, BMDs and localized precinct scanners, they have a data card in the back of them. And it's those data cards that are then transferred by people, couriers, to the actual tally, final tally machine. There are no laws that control that card, and here's what I mean. I can I can give you a FOB. Right now, I could send you a FOB that looks no different than any other FOB you have. But that FOB is a full-blown computer that can run programs, and you don't even know it. And those cards do not have a protocol of check. Here is what I've suggested to lawmakers that should happen. When the, the precincts being set up, that number one, those fobs and or cards use it interchangeably. They have to have a serialized certified number. When that card comes into the precinct as it's being assigned to the machine, and I, this is, I have created a device that can do this. You take that fob and you stick it into this little handheld device, and it either gives you a red light or a green light. That's it. The red light means there is an executable program on this fob. Mm. Do not use it. The green light says this is a blank fob, and it's true. Then that fob with that test is certified with a chain of custody and signed off. It is put into the machine. Then at night, when that fob is taken out, that same device, which is not a communication or not a computer communication device, that same fob is tested a second time. You put it into the slot. It should once again read green, not uh, red. If it reads red, it means that somehow through the system, an, op, an executable file got put on it. You've got to catch that then. And then when that FOB's transported, now it's going to be transported from these machines. It's going to go to a central counting center. When that FOB comes in that time, because remember, even though they say two people do it and it's got a chain of custody, I still call horseshit on that. What has to happen is that FOB needs to be checked for a third time. And then it's put in again. It should go green light and say there's no executable on here. Then it goes into the tally machines. And then that FOB, which contains that data, must be kept and sequestered by law, U.S. 42-1974, U.S. 42-1984, U.S. 52 Code 20-701. It must be kept for 22 months. So if there's ever any questions, that FOB can be accessed again. If we put those steps into it, then yes, we can combat the digital part of the rig, which right now is un 
detectable. Oh, wow. That was such great information. I will definitely have to go back and listen to the recording of this space and catch those cut, re, like note those codes down because I like me to write. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I teach this. I got a thing called fireaxe.academy, F I R E A X E. I call it fireaxe because the building's burning. Dot academy, I teach you. I go through all of these one topic at a time teaching poll, walker, poll watchers, lawmakers, et cetera, how to deal with this. There's hundreds of subjects you need to know they never treat, uh, 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 train you about. And that's what I do at fireaxe.academy, not.com.academy. And you can actually enroll there. You can be a student of this. You can be the person who really knows how all this works in your precinct. And that's why I did that, because the GOP doesn't teach you this to be a poll watcher they don't really teach you how and what you should spot and look right. for it's very outdated and so that's what i do at fire sounds Axe. great thank you so much for your work i appreciate you thank you uh-huh okay so next we have riley hey thanks guys thanks javon uh, hey how you doing i'm doing well yourself i'm uh getting through it my coffee's cold but i'm getting through it <laughs> well i appreciate your time and uh I want to. I was curious as to your thoughts on um, um, remedy. So, um, just to set it. So, what I've realized and, and kind of has been made clear to me, and I think many others, is that we can have um, good people doing good work, being truthful, and the mockingbird media um, agents and liars will come in and and mess it all up. Right. So, Correct. Um, what, what I've, so your, your audit and the election theft and COVID and all the things that at the time I was hurt, it was physically and mentally and spiritually hurting me. I can see now that it is a blessing from on high that I was able to watch idols that I held get smashed in front of my face. And so my question is, so I've come to understand that. We don't have government um, that is over the people. We only have servants. And That's right. If we don't grasp this psychological and, and actual written reality, will do we have a chance at remedy? Or so the way I see the audit as being, um, you are there. You're telling truth. You um, are able to prove what you're saying. And now I can see that they screwed up the election and stole it. And then they screwed up the audit and stole it. So we, unless we put servants back in the box, is there a remedy? Like it shouldn't matter who the freak is our servant. If we can hold them inside the box that they agreed to. So that, that's my question. Do you, do you think the, the remedy is found in the election or in understanding um, God's designed fundamental law that we're, we're dealing great, with? Great question. I think, I think there's a lot of things we have to work on, but let's unpack each of these. The key to this is every one of you listening. The key is not your lawmakers. The key is you. You have to get involved You've got to get active. You've got to vote more than ever. But you now have to pay attention to the candidates. Because I'm telling you, I learned the hard way. I thought that the president of the United States was the most powerful position in, in the world. And I found out that rat bastards and a board of supervisors level at Arizona can screw up everything. So you got to vote every 
race every time there is. Now, here's the next part of it. In Arizona would be a good example. And I think Liz Harris did a program on it. You could go watch. Even though people in Arizona voted in good precinct people uh, or actually got people that were going to help with the elections, the GOP wouldn't acknowledge them and ran them out. And so you have to understand that a lot of people that run at the local level, that the GOP will refuse to endorse them because the GOP wants puppets in. And so they will keep people out. And this is where you become the army and the force multiplier. You have to stand up and be heard. You can't be, you can't be screaming at these people. You can't be cussing at these people and get a sharp stick up your ass. I'm a, knock your teeth out of my beat. You're right. You can't do that. You got to be respectful and you've got to amplify the people that are really there and or true servants have a servant's heart and want to fix this. Now you also have a lot of people that come in that say the right shit that look really good. And you go, this is my person. They're saying the right thing. I'm actually telling you, do not trust anybody because if they can't bring the receipts and you can't audit them, don't do it. And so you're going to have to accept the responsibility that in all of these people that are running, you've got to do your homework. You've got to go back to their social media. You've got to go back for things they did or didn't vote for. And you've got to locally begin a dialogue with these people and holding them accountable. You're seeing things like, you know, Mitch McConnell, uh, who says, you know, we saw January 6th was an uh, insurrection to overturn a duly certified... We have so many rat bastards in, so it's going to be a multi-layered level effect. But if you get involved at your local level, if you get involved at your local level and you get to know these people, you observe these people, you do not treat it just like headlines and you stay away from just little bitty short tweets, bullshits and influencers, and you get to know your people, you can ferret them out and you can hold them up. And what you do is you become the force multiplier. If we get those people in, which will take time, then we can begin to dismantle the corruption from inside. But you also have to understand what comes with it. You know, we're the only nation in the world where a, a bartender with great hooters can come in and make, you know, $160,000 a year, but three years later, she's worth 10 million. That's a rig, but you got to understand too, it's not about term limits. A lot of people say term limits, term limits, term limits. That's only one part of it. But you got to understand when freshman lawmakers come in to part of the process, they're not bringing their own staffs. What happens is their party, the GOP, here, here's who you should have your chief of staff. And they, the GOP puts their people in and then their people become the gatekeepers. And they start working on that politician to move them the GOP's way. And you also don't understand that the GOP gives them their office and takes care of their people and pays them. The GOP does that. So you never know that. And if that lawmaker gets out of tune with the GOP, the GOP will remove all of their staff and kick the lawmaker out of their offices. That's the control that the GOP has. And so you've got to be clear on these things. You have to understand the incestuous nature of it. And if you take the time to learn, you take the time to, 
to understand all of this stuff and you become the most dangerous patriot in the room, which is what I try to teach people to do. You are the force multiplier. And if you get this out and enough people know and enough, enough people aren't chicken shit to amplify it and you can't be swayed by somebody who says Jesus 2000 times, right? Or acts like they're a preacher when they're not. And that's all you do it on. You got to do it on facts. If we can get enough people that really only care about truth and you know what? You don't have to like the truth teller. You just have to embrace the truth. And if we can get enough of us together with that kind of impeccable standard, we can win it. But that's how we get all of this fixed. And I hope thanks. that answered your question. Yeah, it did. I, thanks, Jim. I think built into that a little bit is presumptions that I still battle with daily, like um, that um, we need somehow to get good people in. Like, I'm just learning to reject that idea because on that side of the fence is not where the power is. And it's on right. our side of the fence. That's right. So I, I try to battle that uh, mentally. And Dave um, does a real good job of continuously building on that precept. And uh, I just appreciate you. And uh, God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless America. Amen. Um, okay. So I'm going to, Get back to you, Army, but I want to let the people who haven't spoken yet come up. So we have uh, Shana and then um, um, Mike, Michaela. Let's take yeah. Let's take let's take four more, and, and then we'll wrap. Sounds good. Okay, go ahead, Shana. Shana, <clears throat> sorry. Thanks today. Me. Yeah, you're good. You got it, Shana. Um, hi, Javon. Thanks for taking the time to do this. You you give us a lot of your time in the day, and I greatly appreciate it. I will Thanks take advantage of it more often. <laughs> um, okay, so I've lots of things to say, but um, I definitely understand now that affidavits are key and that what affidavit we use is going to be crucial uh, going forward. Um, you know, getting... Okay, so I guess my main question is because you don't care about the machines you're saying. You just care about the ballots. Well, wait, um, just, one, just, one, just one quick question, okay? okay? I'll give you an example. Are you on a mobile phone? Yes. So am I. But is it the mobile phone that's actually making this happen? No. It's a piece of software between our mobile phone housed at Twitter, and it's Twitter's algorithm and program that's making this possible. So that's my only point when I say it. See, you can't prove the machine did it because the machine does nothing it's not told to do by programs and people. And that's a very subtle distinction, but you can't say a machine changes a vote because what that does is it keeps everybody from looking away from the programs. And then when you look at the programs, you look away from who sanctioned it. You looked away from who created it and you looked away from who put it in in the first place. Okay. That's why I say that. Yes, we should get rid of machines, but you have to understand operationally, you cannot walk in court and say the machines do it. It is literally incorrect. So when you get to your account with your ballots, are you, you're comparing it to whatever number they did initially. When they report their number, they're getting their number from some machine. And I'm not saying correct. this to combat you. I'm just asking. And then, so I'm just asking. So... And so at the end of the day, you're hoping to say, hey, here's what the ballots tell you the number is. 
you guys are telling me this number is this in the machine. So in essence, you could kind of say your machine didn't calculate it correctly because here's what the real ballots say. 100%. Okay. That's the whole difference right there. Okay. If you only look at the machines and only look at the data, you're really only taking a program's word for it. And that is why the ballots and the envelopes and the chain of custody must be involved because it's the only way to audit what the programs and the machines are saying. And if you never get access to that, you can't confirm what you're dealing with. And when it comes to machines, they can say, well, that was just a boo-boo. That was just a glitch. Go back, look in time. But if you connect it to the ballots, which is the paper, and you show the ballots say one thing and the machines say something else, you actually prove a crime. And that's the difference. So what if, do, do, do all states have special paper that we can do forensic audits to the ballots to? Say that again. Do all states have the benefit like Arizona did where they have the kind of paper that you could forensically examine to, to say it's a real ballot or not? Is, was that special paper? Number one. No, no, no. Hang on. Special paper doesn't fix it. There is no special paper that will fix uh, the voting. They're trying to con you and say it can have a, a super secret uh, watermark. Watermark, and that's crap mm -hmm. because, but they're not telling you those lawmakers are getting like 10 cents to 25 cents a ballot. It'll do nothing. The second part of it is you want to standardize the paper, and it doesn't matter what the paper is as long as you have a standard. But I'll just use Arizona. Arizona claimed they used only one type of paper, and there wasn't. There were dozens of paper. That shows something went wrong. But at least when you have the paper, and the paper's one thing. And the machines or and the election management say something different. Here's what you have. You have physical evidence that somehow it was changed different than the voters hands. But you don't have to prove which machine did it or what program did it because it's irrelevant because you have a hard evidence fact. Now, when you get to only machine stuff, there's two things. They say, well, that's just your opinion. It was changed. You can't prove it, which is technically correct. But even if you found irregularities, irregularities, they will say, well, when you can't prove it. And then they'll say, if they do get pinned, they'll say what they said. Well, that was just a hiccup. That was just a virus. That was just this. We give them the excuses and we give them the outs when we only look at machine-based anything. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I got blocks everywhere um, <laughs> and I have, you know, many stories to tell about all the blocks I got that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stories coming out now seem to line up with a lot of my curiosities um, when I was looking at stuff in the past. And so um, I'm just trying to figure out how to combat all those blocks. And I appreciate your info. Well, here's what we should do. And I'll give you an example. You know, we don't, we don't all work together. You got people that swear to God, it's the machine, the machine, the machine, the machine, and they just stick to it. What really should happen if we really want to fix this, that all of us that really do it should all get together. We should all share information because mm -hmm. it's not a fucking popularity contest. We need to get our terminology correct. 
We need to agree on the terminology, and then we all need to march to the same tune like the left, and we need to support <laughs> each other because it takes all of these pieces to prove the nefarious nature, not just one. But the right eats its own and treat it like it's some fucking contest, and we should not do that. <clears throat> yes, I will I will show up to those meetings, Javon. I love that idea. I, I'll you. be there. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. All right. We have um, Michaela and then Army and then that's it. Okay. Hi, I'm in Colorado. I'm a precinct chair in um, my uh, our Republican County um, um, group. Our chairman participated in a risk-limiting audit, and she wasn't satisfied with the way they chose which ballots to pull. I think we were given 91 ballots to pull and compare to the machine or the, the scan, the images in the machine. Right. And, um, uh, they, and they were supposed to be um, auditing. So in our county, only part of it had, uh, were voting on some water district or something. And they were supposed to be auditing that, that um, um, election, not the whole county. But when they pulled the 91, it was from the whole county, I believe. And so she refused to certify. Right. Um, was she, <laughs> I, this is, we're just learning about this in our county here. I mean, we, we, we already passed a resolution to go to the county commissioners and ask for uh, same day voting with paper ballots. We right. haven't done that yet, but um, um, was she, uh, do you understand her confusion? They, they, they selected those. She was, I can, yeah, I know where you're headed. I can answer for yeah. you. She was absolutely correct. Let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. um, there are absolute rules when it comes to verifying an election went wrong. So let me deal with the first thing. When when Attorney General Barr came out and said, we have not seen enough evidence of fraud to make a material difference in the outcome of the election. You remember him saying that, right? Yeah, vaguely. Well, here's how, here's how that law works. If you and I were, and I think you said you were in Georgia. If you and no, I- Colorado. Right, Colorado. Okay. If you and I were in Colorado and our candidate- lost by a hundred thousand votes and you and I worked together and we found 90,000 dead people, illegals, counterfeit ballots and whatever. And we go to your secretary of state, unfortunately, but let's say even if you had a good one and we go to your secretary of state and we give them evidence, look, we found 90,000 of these. You and I think like conservatives and we expect them to go, holy smokes, we got to find out what's wrong. This is bad. Well, the way the law is written is the following. They are not required to help you find fraud. And because on your own, without their support, you and I didn't find 105,000 bad ones. We only found 90,000 bad ones. We did not exceed the margin of the election, and they are they legally have to do nothing. That's how that law works. It's crap. Now, when they do a risk-limiting audit, I'll give you Georgia numbers. For 2018, for a 2 million-person metroplex, for a risk-limiting audit, 
Um, how many ballots do you think they tested? A hundred? No, a thousand? I don't know. Fifteen. Fifteen, right. And then when it came to 2020 to confirm the most controversial one, they wanted to look at 200. See, here's what happens. And this is where you got to understand how the rig is. Mm -hmm. It is the very people that run the election that get to decide what you get to look at. That's right. It's Secretary of State. They like That's rolled right. the dice or something and there, they did and it there's online. No, yeah. yeah, there's no there's no randomness to it at all. And I'll tell you how this works. Mm -hmm. There's no random. So the very people that did it, they know where to look. And I'll prove it to you. In Arizona in 2020, you have 52 boxes that were audited in a small risk limiting audit by K Katie Hobbs's office. Now, those 52 boxes were sealed and in perfect order as required by law. However, there were 1,675 boxes. If you look at 1,675 and you back out the 52 that they looked out, every single one of the other boxes was open, not sealed, totally in disarray, and the batches weren't together. Now, that should tell you something's wrong. Now, the second part of it is when you look at the numbers of those 52 boxes, they exactly match the statistical outcome of what the election was eventually called at. It's almost a dead match. However, if you look at the other 1,623 or whatever it is, None of those boxes matches. So you got to ask yourself, how did they know to handpick and only audit those? And they do that so they're prepped and they know which ones to pull when they do their risk-limiting audit. But you also have a second complication. Let's say you do find a bad ballot. You're not. And I can prove this to you right now. And anybody in any precinct, take a ream of paper, go to Walmart or Office Depot and buy a brand new ream of paper. That means a brand new stack of paper. I want you to, to hand out three, four, five, 10 pieces of paper and have somebody put a very small X in the bottom left corner. Then I want you to shuffle them into those 500 papers. Okay, mix them all in, make them a nice stack and hold that left corner and allow anyone in the room, right? Now say you're going to mm -hmm. test five ballots, have them pull out a sheet of paper. Statistically, not a single person will pull one paper that has an X on it that is your designated bad ballot. And that's why they do risk-limiting audits. It is statistically impossible to find. But they tell you to look at those five pull up those five, and if they match, then the whole audit went well. It's a con job, and it's bullshit. Well, they told us, I'm sorry to continue on, but they when we watched it online, they had some kind of um, um, rolling the dice, uh, or not rolling the dice, but some machine that they had a 10-sided dice, and it would they'd roll it and get the numbers. So you got the numbers of of uh, which which ballots to pull by sort of rolling the dice. They okay, said it was, but yeah. you're right. But see, I just told you they randomly pick boxes. That's number one. Now in that box- It was a box. It was individual ballots. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. You got to hear me out. All right. I just told you in Arizona, they have 52 boxes that were correct to what they said. Mm-hmm. 
That means they know how to go get those 52. In those 52, there are statistically eight batches. In those eight batches, there are an average of 200 ballots. And so here's the smoke and mirrors. They may run a die that tells you to pull ballot number five and it looks organic. What you're not seeing is they've already know which boxes are good and therefore it's not going to matter as long as it comes out of those boxes, which they get to pick and, and, and they've done it. It doesn't matter which ballot you pull. It's going to be right. See, you're thinking it's a random choice of a ballot over a thousand ballot or 20,000 ballots or a hundred thousand ballots or whatever. No. You got to go back a few steps and look at the batch in the box and they already know which batches and boxes are good and they only pull from those. Regardless if if, if it was a, uh, a uh, random number or not with that die, it's crap. Hmm. Remember, have you ever been to a magic show? Yeah. Have you ever been to Vegas and seen a big magician or anything like that? No, in your time? no, no. Okay, but you've seen a magic show. When do you think the magic occurs? Right when the magician pulls the curtain down from the cage, or did it occur? Did it occur before you were allowed to look? The magic occurs before, not in process and not after. Well. I could ask you more questions. I don't I don't quite understand. If they have specific ballot numbers that they arrive at by rolling dice, how does it determine which boxes they're pulling from? Well, give me an example of one of the numbers. Oh, I don't have them in front of me, but it was like no, 10 no, no. numbers, 10 numbers, like 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you know. Okay, great. Okay, great. How many ballots are you dealing with in Colorado? Oh, I don't know, but this was in our county. Hey, how many ballots are you? So let, let me use Arizona. Is that okay? All right. Arizona for Maricopa has 2.5 million, 800,000 some odd uh, ballot people. Mm -hmm. In the vote, in the vote, okay, in the mm -hmm. vote, they have what they said in 2020, 2,089,416. So let's just count this on your finger. Two million, get one finger, four, uh, zero, eight, nine, four, one, six. That's seven digits, okay? Mm -hmm. And on the ballot tracking number, how many digits do they have that they use to track the ballot? I don't know. Six. Oh. So first off, you know it's not every ballot. So let's take an average six-digit ballot in Arizona. They will range, they will range, okay? They will range uh, uh, from anywhere from there's uh, a thousand ballots with that same number to the highest one, there's 40,000 ballots with that same exact number. You will think they're pulling a random one but you don't see under the number. And I can prove these numbers to you. Oh. I know it's confusing. I know they do show and tell to tell mm -hmm. you this. Mm -hmm. But if you want to talk offline, you can email me. It's my full name mm -hmm. at email. But this is why I do fireaxe.academy. I do this 
because I handle each of these and I teach them. And I basically do about a 30 minute teaching, like on this ballot ID, mm. it's in audio with pictures you listen. And if you have to go back and listen 15, 20, 30 times to understand it, no problem. But that is why I do this training for the people that are really working out there, because it's very hard to understand and you're not going to get it here on a spaces. And that's why I break yeah. that down. Thank you. I sure. actually did try to get on right now and it, it warned me that, uh, there was a warning about your and why, and why do you think they do that? Yeah. Why do you think they, 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 they warn you because mm -hmm. they want you to think there's something's wrong with it. And that's how the system play. There's nothing yeah. wrong that you're totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank Take you. Take care. Mm-hmm. Right. What else do we have? One or two left. I can do that. Okay. So oh, we have one hand here and we have one request. I wasn't sure if you wanted to bring anybody else up. What's the request when you mean you have one request? What does that um, mean? Someone's asking to get a mic. Is is there a, is there a mic in the house? Yeah, sure. They, I can pass it out. I wasn't sure. No, no, no. Is, is there is there a mic? You mean like Michael or Mike or we got big no. mic? <laughs> okay, <laughs> no. let's do, let's do let's do the one hand and let's let's try the uh, the random card of the request. We'll see what we get. All right, cool. Okay, so go ahead, Army, and I'll bring up Eagle. Army, go ahead. Thank you. I'll be quick. I just wanted to say um, thank you for sharing your knowledge and point out. It's not what I was going to say, but since we're trying to wrap it up, I just no, 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 you, no, no. You get what you want covered. I'm okay. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm here for you. Well, thank you. Well, then I, I did have a, um, just a, something I wondered about when I voted in 2020. Um, it was at a new polling station, and I have great concerns about that. Someone else um, mentioned it, and I wondered, I don't know what to say about that other than well, I let me, have let me, answer, let me answer that one for you real quick, because I can do you. that one real quick. In 2020, for the polling locations, what they did was, under the auspice of COVID, in most states, they changed the actual polling location, it kept the same number, but they changed it to a different place. Now, the reason they did that was to add a layer of confusion. And a lot of people showed up at their traditional voting place. They might've voted at it for 10 years. And then there's a sign, you gotta go over here. Well, what they did by that is a lot of people, especially older conservative that voted for years, they basically said, I'm not gonna drive across town to it moving over here. And that's how they peeled off a lot of votes. And so part of this of what they did for the layer of confusion, it's never one thing, is many of the precincts changed addresses. And that was one of the deviations that they did in 2020. Sorry, go ahead. That's what I figured. It was kind of obvious to me. Also, um, and I also wondered, you know, it sounds so simple. Um, but it seems like it would be um, solve a lot of issues. Um, why we cannot, after we voted, why is there not, there's no good reason why we can't go to a secure website, log in using our social or whatever, and check on our votes. And I know people say, oh, you can check it at your county. Well, you can, but, you know, it's like pulling teeth and, and you can't really find out what your vote was. 
It right. seems to me in this day and age, we should be able to do that. And we should also be able to have live feed of them counting our votes. You're right. right? Here's what they did. When you go to the county level, they can only tell you you voted. This comes from a law that's called secret balloting. Here's how it worked. Uh, it might have been 70, 80 years ago in a small, very, very small county where there were only, it might have been five voters, maybe five. At that time, you used to could look up a voter by uh, their ballot and it was tied to it. And one of the county judges got pissed off at someone. He looked at the ballots. He could basically tell by the votes who that person was that voted it. And they got into a pissing contest. Well, that created a court case that says you can't look me up by my name. That is what created secret balloting. Now, back then it served the purpose. Now they use it for a nefarious purpose to say it's for your protection. However, I believe that they should, just like you can opt in on your tax return to contribute a dollar or whatever to elections, you should be able to opt in. I want to see my exact ballot I cast, and I want to be able to take a photo of my ballot, which they outlawed. I want to take a photo of my ballot as I cast it, and then you should be able to audit it. But the reason they don't let you doing it is because you will see the differences, and that's why they have those BS laws. But yes, in this day and age, we can do it. Your credentials can, uh, can log you in, and your credentials can uh, confirm it. They just don't let you do it because now we're so technology advanced wise that we can cure this and they don't want you to have the cure. Gotcha. Thank you so much. And just sure. one other thing I wanted to mention, as you've all been, you know, kind of reminding us is that you know, together, if we all jump on this train together and work together and learn the language, like you were saying earlier, you know, together we can accomplish this because you can look to um, David Jose and all the things they're accomplishing. And I wondered how this common law fits into, you know, the things you're discussing today. A hundred percent. It matches with it. And it's the current remedy you have to get your voice heard. So it's incredibly important. Uh, listen, I want to make a note. If Eagle th that wants to talk, if Eagle is Eagle vote. Okay. You said Eagle. If Eagle is Eagle vote, I'm looking at that site and it says software enthusiasts that constantly searches for better solutions, observing elections, small and large in us. I developed the voting system, Eagle vote. If that's, the individual that wants to talk, that's a call that needs to be had offline, not a call that needs to be had on here. And if that's the one that's up as I heard you say Eagle, if that's it, then that needs yeah, to be that, done. That would be him. Um, I don't want to I don't want to get into a point where somebody wants to pitch their own thing or whatever. And here's why I don't know Eagle vote. I will gladly have a dialogue with Eagle Vote. I will look over Eagle Vote. Eagle Vote can reach out to me at Jovan Hutton Pulitzer at Gmail, but that needs to be done one-on-one -on -one because I don't want to give any misimpressions. I know what this is uh, or I know what they do or I know how it works, but I'm totally willing, totally willing to have those discussions at a different time and amplify it if it is appropriate. Just right now, it's not. 
Okay, no problem. Um, so and so with that said, with that said, email. And yeah, I, I see it. When, when I get the email, we can talk. It's just not appropriate. I think it would just confuse people at the moment. And that's not what this spaces is about. I'm just trying to keep it on spaces. I'm all for solutions and other stuff. But especially when somebody's saying I invented a new system, that's not what you drop in a few minutes or get into a debate. And I would not be doing them any ju justice at all if I don't have the professional respect for the effort and time they're doing to develop something, to look at it from top to bottom first and then come on it. So I don't want to comment on something that I know nothing about, but I will take the time to have a call, meet with Eagle Vote. I'll give them a uh, half hour of my time to pitch me and whatever. And then we can go from there if it's something that, that I can actually amplify or comment on, but I'm just not educated on it. And with that, I appreciate every one of you joining today. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that this was meaningful. I hope you learned something. I hope you're able to take something away from this. I find it distasteful, all of the attacks and and the right eating its own. I think that's part of why the left clobbers us. I wish we could all stay together, stick together, solve our problems in a more uh, meaningful way appropriately. But I'm not in this for clicks and crap. I'm in this to educate. And I hope today I delivered for you. Okay, sounds good, Joanne. So you can just close it out whenever you're ready. Take care, folks. I love you all. God bless America. And try to encourage everybody to get together and settle their differences. Bye-bye.